RSN Carnival 
another AFL player step in as well. So I think, yeah, we've got really nice depth, but we always look a lot stronger with uh, Jazzy Garner in the side and Danny Hardiman down back. And with the must-win situation, it must be good to have sort of a game that has a little bit of pressure on it as you head into the finals if you win. Yeah, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I think you can't flirt with form, so I think you've got to play really well in your back end to take it into the final series if we make it. So I think, um, yeah, I think we've got to really put some strong stance in place today with our midfield group go and, and forward, of course, as well. So, yeah, we'll be looking to play well today. What have you learned so far out of the 15 rounds gone by out of your VFLW listed players that are trying to make the step up and either A, directly get a spot on North Melbourne's AFLW list or hopefully get picked up elsewhere through the draft? Yeah, you've got a lot of good community footballers out there still floating around that could um, top up lists for sure. So I guess really I think the difference between um, top sides and probably bottom sides is how quality your group of community footballers are. And if you've got girls that can play multiple roles and, and add to your AFL list, then you're going to be a successful side. So we've got girls that are really vying to be picked up that have been really good. Holly Whitford, I think, has been outstanding and should hopefully pick up a place on an AFL list and we'd love to have her at North Melbourne. And players like that really complement like your midfield and your forward group particularly. Courtney Daniak's another one. She's been playing winter series at, at Gold Coast. Um, so, yeah, I think that yeah, if you have a really strong community um, level group coming through you'll be really successful. So you've got to put a lot of work into them as well. And how's it been trying to adjust late in the season to some of the AFLW footballers coming back? Not only for them to obviously get up to the speed of the game again after having, you know, whether it be several months off being rested, Emma Carney being mm-hmm. one example, but obviously fitting into any game plan that you've been working on with Melbourne Uni VFL, which may differ slightly to what North Melbourne AFLW do. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're still really, um, you have summer on your mind too and AFLW on your mind. So you want someone like Emma Carney to still develop that secondary position and, and have that feel during the winter of growth before she goes into summer. So she's been a little bit different in her preparation. Um, so she, you'll see her play forward and mid. Um, and then you've got girls that have been playing completely different positions all season. Taylor Mercedes, um has played back all year as well. So I guess it's everyone's in different paths depending on injury and um, surgeries, but end of the day, you probably your eyes a little bit on summer as well. So we just want to get game time and consistency into the players before we head into AFLW. Yeah, just a couple of players. Obviously, you know, VFLW is really vital for a couple of reasons. One, you've got the 18s coming through. Um, and I see your 23rd player in Claire uh, Saxton-Jones, so you can talk a little bit about that. But also the players that were drafted last year, obviously I, I know a few of those having done a bit of the recruiting, obviously, at Carlton and, and Daisy Bateman and stuff. How important is, has the winter season been for those type players? You know, obviously, Cleo, probably the latter part of the year, yeah. maybe the last couple of games, but certainly the likes of Daisy and, and that group that you picked up last year and their development over the winter. Yeah, Daisy Bateman's been um, a really good story. She's had a bit of time off with an ankle that she sustained in the AFLW, but we've tried to get her up into a wing, develop a bit of that, a bit of forward as well. Um, but end of the day, it's about getting the game time into Daisy of senior footy and playing against um, women in the winter. So... I think it's been really crucial for her development, but also her confidence and her mental side of her game. So um, she's been really good in the last six weeks. Um, Cleo Saxon has probably had just about three or four games with us now, having the academy breaks and then nationals as well in there. You'll see her. We know what she can really do. She's a big frame for her size. Um, I'd really like to see her clunk it and take a few marks at centre-half forward today. So we hope to take her into um, our winter program again next year depending but I would like to think that she'd get picked up well and truly she's 
she's pretty good. <laughs> she's a pretty good 18-year-old. And just one last question before we let you go. Uh, how do you take today's philosophy going into the game? Obviously, as we said, you've got to win to get into finals. But looking at the development side of things, knowing the NT Thunder do have a few AFLW footballers themselves, Sally Riley, Stevie Lee, Thompson, uh, Denny Van Hagen, just to name a few. Do you put your best against them? Or do you decide to, with again, with some of your VFLW-listed players, let's throw the challenge to them now against the AFLW players because they will be going up against a higher quality should you be, pardon me, should you be playing next week in the finals? Yeah, I think we're probably back in our side um, and put our best against their best. I yep. think that's probably the best way to go about it. Um, see who wins out of that. We cannot discount some of the really dangerous forwards that they've got in midfield groups. So um, the challenge is on our girls to not only be attacking but defensive. So, yeah, I think we'll go head-to-head um, with those girls. And at times, yeah, you will change and you'll have VFOW players play on AFL players too, which is a beauty of that Grozy's speaking about with the VFLW. I think it's really good. Well, LJ, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival 2 and wish you all the very best you take on the NT Thunder today to try and secure a spot in the final six. Thank you very much for having me. That's Lauren Moorcroft, former Western Bulldogs footballer, a star footballer at Diamond Creek. And, of course, if you've got a copy of the 2015 VFLW Grand Final record, you have LJ on the front with the big fist pump as well after she kicked that goal, dare I say, against Melbourne University in that preliminary final. It might be an ideal opportunity to bring around our other match analyst in today and introduce her. She was patiently waiting there, no doubt with a coffee. I don't know if it's a special coffee. We'll find out that in just a moment's time. Of course, she is a 250-game-plus legend in Sydney women's football and just casually running around in Masters at the moment with the uh, Darabin Football Club. A very warm welcome to Coach Kiwi, Lisa Roper. Good morning, good morning, and um, sorry to let the fans down. It's not a special coffee. I've run out of oh, run no. out of my specials. You've had, you had the you, special ingredients that has to go into it. It's like the secret sauce. It is, it is. But um, I can highly recommend the ladies downstairs were up for a very good chat. And um, that's why I delayed me. I'm kind of already late. Oh, and which team are you supporting today? They were really lovely. But the coffee is good downstairs and they're cheering on the muggers. Now, we'll obviously go through the results a little bit later on of the other games that happened in the round. But uh, essentially it comes down to this today, as we alluded to with uh, Lauren Moorcroft. If Melbourne University win... Hawthorne get knocked out because Hawthorne are only half a game ahead. Melbourne University go into sixth spot and they will play Geelong next week at Northport Oval to be determined Saturday or Sunday start time. If Melbourne Uni draw, the percentage is good enough for them to leapfrog Hawthorne and again play Geelong next week in the elimination final, fifth versus sixth at Northport Oval. If Melbourne University lose, regardless of the margin... They stay out of the top six. They are seventh. Hawthorne will play Geelong next week at Northport Oval in the fifth versus sixth match. That, that's, yes, exactly. Woo. That, that's how it finishes in the season. The other finals, by the way, are locked in. Third versus fourth is Richmond versus the Western Bulldogs. That'll be at Northport Oval as well, uh, as tacked on with the VFL men's game. Again, to be decided uh, what day and what time that bounce will be. And to be determined day and time, but venue is locked in. Collingwood will host the Southern Saints in the qualifying final at Victoria Park. Congratulations, Yay. Kiwi. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It actually... Um, um it was after our game, actually. I was travelling home and saw the other results and thought about it. You should have been listening uh, to the other result, by the way, on RSN Carnival too. Uh, yeah, I tried to tune in when I got the Geelong game. Oh, yes, they, that means you've tuned in late because we yeah. would have finished and immediately crossed to Geelong-Carlton, which had an effect on this game because Geelong winning put either Melbourne University or Hawthorne in the danger zone. Yes, it did, and it, um, they got a few more goals than perhaps I thought they were going to get. But... 
<laughs> yes, yeah, just to, to stir up the percentage as well. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no, it was um, yeah a bit late in the afternoon that, that I thought, oh, wait a minute, it means we host next week. So, um, yeah, the field's looking pretty good. I actually went down and popped into pub footy yesterday, um, which is, if you're in Melbourne... It's something um, outside of any other type of footy that you can imagine. <laughs> and it's probably um, a stepping stone to if you, for the fans of Community Cup. It's, it's very similar. And they play mixed. The teams are mixed. There are some interesting uniforms. Did I see someone wearing, was it a wedding dress or a tutu or something in a new, one of your photos doing the ruck? Yes. Oh, the curtain guy? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, it was something it was weird like he was wearing. Yeah. There was another girl wearing a tutu. Yeah. There was some, yeah, there's... Um, um, one guy wearing a onesie who played in the Rock Dogs in a onesie. Right, different, yeah. different onesies, different onesies for each occasion, I think. But yeah, it's um, it's just atmosphere. It's you. You got a DJ playing throughout the afternoon, and they have about four or five games going on. And um, the DJ play while they're playing. Sorry, is the DJ playing while yeah. they're playing? Oh, I'd love to have constantly. That. Yeah, so it's got this atmosphere of Com Cup on a smaller scale. Yeah, um, and yeah. It's um, it's a bit crazy. So yeah, it's taken me two years to get down to a game. So finally, I made it. <laughs> Don't tell the AFL that, otherwise they'll be going. Oh, that's another version of AFL. Yeah. yeah, everyone, come watch this, please. No, please no. Um, we talk about today's game. We'll be going through the players and matchups in just a moment's time. But I'll ask uh, Nicole Graves down the end. Let's let's put you in the coach's role for the moment for the NT Thunder. You're in Heidi Thompson's seat. You're coming into today's game. You can't make finals. What what's your attitude? What are you trying to get out of? today's game are you okay we're just going to throw players around and see what we can get out of this and who can do whatever things to consider for the next year or do you say or do you rev the side up and try and finish on a positive note to get you off the right foot for the next year saying let's let's they they think melbourne uni have got this in the can let's try and cause an upset and let's go out in a high upsetting someone's apple cart yeah there's a couple probably things in there pete that uh, Heidi will be probably using. And that is, you know, be like anything. If you can't make finals, you want to be able to shape them. And, and this game is exactly that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so in terms of a motivation to go out there and, and give it your best, which they would, do, you know, all the girls would do anyway, but certainly to set up so that they actually can make an impact in finals. Um, so, yeah, so that's so that's one thing. The, and the other is obviously, again, like we spoke to LJ with North Melbourne, these girls have, um, you know, they're trying to make AFL this, mm. a lot of these girls. And, you know, the community players who are, you know, perhaps not uh, on the radar, they go back into their, they'll go into their summer season of NT uh, footy uh, in October and started all over again in the summer. And, um, yeah, so it's it's probably those players trying to make lists that, you know, the coaches would be thinking about where can we get them to be, for them to be seen, obviously, without having an AFL. They're not an AFL, uh, don't have an AFLW affiliate, I suppose, at the moment. Um, so, yeah, so that really opens it up. And uh, so get that experience. And as I said, playing against Melbourne University is a real... Yeah, a group of really classy players. So if you can sort of, even as an individual, you'd be asking the individuals as they match up um, to go out there and understand and watch how these players play and the, their strength and their power, where they move, and, and use it as a bit of an educational tool for those younger players looking, particularly when you've got the likes of, you know, Emma Carney and, <clears throat> and such uh, playing out there. I mean, there's some, you know, just some fantastic players um, with Gillespie Jones, Jess Trend, you know, Jenna Bruton. There's some, still, and as I said, we spoke about Jess Duffin and how influential she was in the VFLW last year and certainly in the AFLW this year. Just a beautiful player to play. And if you were sort of playing on her, whether she's going forward or back, she's certainly someone that actually 
you know, you don't want to get 200 possessions above you, but you can certainly follow them around and they'd almost take you to the footy as a, as a new player. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see those match-ups and where those younger um, players that perhaps are looking uh, on an AF- to get on an AFLW list. And again, same with NT Thunder. There's two or three players there that have actually obviously moved from the Crows and have been listed, um, you know, uh, around the country, but certainly a couple... Um, having been up in the Gold Coast myself for the last uh, couple of months, there's a couple, obviously, that have um, been picked up by the Sun. So it's really important that they keep their form up as well. It's funny that you mentioned uh, earlier with Jess Stuffin about, uh, you know, playing well down back. I remember doing an interview with her the year before AFLW, and she admitted she hated playing in defence and wanted to play nowhere on the defensive side of the centre circles and ends up being one of the best marks across half-back mm-hmm. you'll find in the competition. Yeah, she's just such a calm player, isn't she? She, uh, Whether she's stressing or not, I don't know out there, but she certainly doesn't look like it the way that she plays. And <clears throat> she just moves across. So she's diligent on being able to get back and, and know when she can get back to a player uh, like that. But she'll also take the game on. She has the confidence to take the game on. And I think that also supports her teammates to be brave enough to take the game on when the time um, counts. And, you know, North Melbourne were pretty unlucky not to make finals uh, last last season in the AFLW so this team's got plenty to prove and those girls particularly those senior girls they'll know what that feels like and they'll be you know they'll be making sure that um, you know they do everything right to make sure that they're ready for AFLW 4. And Lucy I guess one thing we don't know behind closed doors if it's going to be mentioned at all in their pre-game warm-up or being mentioned during the week is this the last game we'll see of the NT Thunder in the VFLW when we consider that the, the alignment's ending with the Adelaide Crows, and the Crows were supplying a number of players, the NT Thunder side. There is the talk that the NT Thunder will be aligned in both men's and women's with the Gold Coast Suns next year, and that will feed the Gold Coast Suns AFLW. And if that happens, if they'll play in their own NEFL competition with, again, the Giants, Lions, etc., um, and no longer in VFLW football. Yeah, it was really interesting when that announcement came out about the severing of the ties between Adelaide and North Northern Territory because it was such a big part of the Adelaide AFLW identity, especially for that first season with Beck Goddard and the way the two teams were training and sort of the adversity they sort of brought up when, when they went on to win that premiership. And then all of a sudden it sort of seemed like it was over. I'm not in the known, so maybe it wasn't much of a surprise for people like like Nicole who are like sort of in, in the industry. But <laughs> Idle gossip, mate. Yeah. I know. Idle gossip I work on. <laughs> but... When you saw a few of those NT Thunder players and or previous Adelaide players go over to the Gold Coast, it sort of raised for me a suspicion that maybe there is going to be a partnership there at some stage, and the Gold Coast I think want to like take on that area as a um, like a recruiting zone, and the NEFL competition does make more sense for the Northern Territory. So every second week they don't have to be travelling as far as Victoria, and Victorian teams don't be have to travelling as far as the Northern Territory and the only teams we've seen go to the Northern Territory in the VFLW are teams such as St Kilda and Collingwood and Essendon who sort of have the backing of an AFL affiliate club to send the clubs over there. So you'd think it'd be a bit fairer as well for the Northern Territory to be a part of a competition in that NEFL area but it's going to be interesting to see how that partnership plays out with the Gold Coast. And Nicole, you would have known best as well because um, when you were obviously General Manager of Women's Football at Carlton and Logistics, you had to organise behind the scenes. The NT Thunder splitting their men's and women's into two different competitions. If they're both playing away, two different flights with two different staff going in two separate directions, Mm. how much logistically it would be easier for them to be able to go, okay 
okay, we're in the same competition. We're essentially, um, it, hopefully there'll be a men's and women's aligned side from the Q- QAFLW taking on the NT Thunder side. So therefore they can all jump on the same plane, all go to the same area, share the same training staff, water carriers, all those little things behind the scenes. Yeah, there's a couple of probably, th- again, that I'd like to see... Um, you know, the NT Thunder team coming into the VFLW, I think, was, you know, really important for NT football. And probably in that first year when they came in, there was a lot of Crows playing. So there are a lot of Adelaide girls playing. And they have their Sanford W comp and then obviously their community comp in the winter. Whereas the NT Thunder really needed, um, you know, Northern Territory girls. And that's probably what Heidi Thompson and Rel Smith have done this year. They've ensured that there's plenty of NT girls playing in the NT team because it's their, this is their space to develop. It's not the Adelaide Crows practice games. It's for NT to ensure that their players have an opportunity to play against, I guess, the best around Australia, particularly, obviously, in the Victorian comp and see what it's like, build their bodies, understand what everything is going on. So, you know, so that's one thing, and I think really vital for the NT Thunder team to play somewhere. So it made sense, the VFL, um, the uh, VFLW uh, competition. Now, whether, you know, they're, they're looking at, you know, somewhere in the West where, you know, that's been some of, some of that sort of stuff, but it does make sense with... You know, the Gold Coast Suns of the their NGA uh, region is northern Queensland. So, you know, really it's, you know, when we talk about Australia, you know, they're almost neighbours um, in, in terms of, you know, northern, uh, northern Queensland and, and, and the Northern Territory. And obviously similar sort of style um, background of players and, and what you're going to see with, in terms of sort of the remoteness of the of the participants and the and the girls that are playing, you know, with you got the Torres Strait Island girls and you got the Tiwi Island girls, and obviously then the girls that are on the mainland in those more northern states. So, you know, I I think it'd be really nice for you know someone to consider a NEFL type competition because the winter series in Queensland is great, but it's only a few games, yeah. um, and they are playing each other and those you know two Queensland teams so that, those girls are playing each other in the winter comp in the in the QAFLW every week as well so it doesn't sort of make as much sense but if you added um, GWS and, and NT Thunder into that with the two Queensland teams all of a sudden the experience and the season can be made a little bit longer and actually have a sort of an almost a mini season not unlike the Sample W, which has actually obviously provided a couple of premierships to the Crows, so something's working over there. So there's probably a couple of trains of thought, but that's where I'd like to see perhaps the NT Thunder product go and make this competition that's in at the northern part, well, New South Wales. Up. Gives GWS an opportunity because obviously they played some practice matches in this environment. Um, and, yeah, and, and as I said, adds to that Queensland, um, you know, Brisbane, Gold Coast sort of... Um, games that have been going on where, as I said, similar players are playing against each other week in, week out anyway. So it's nice to have the squads together, but it doesn't... You're not playing anyone different or or sort of testing yourself on players that you don't know which if GWS and, and the Thunder came in, that they would have that experience. And Kiwi, obviously you'd know through obviously your many years in Sydney football that they obviously need the better players, whether it's from the NT Thunder playing against them or the Queensland side, strengthening the competition for Sydney because as we saw, the GWS Giants had to play in the VFLW this year for them to get what they thought was a better standard of football instead of just playing in the local Sydney competition. Um, and, and that does raise an interesting thought that... By the NT Thunder and GWS playing games down here, A, it does weaken their own backyard a little bit because they're playing against the stronger Victorians. 
and at the same time, it can further weaken it because that technically then gives direct access to the Victorian clubs to those players that come down to Melbourne saying, oh, you've been to Melbourne a few times. Like the lifestyle, like it here? More opportunities in our draft. Want to play here? So all of a sudden, which we have seen over the last few years, it started off with a WA talent, as Nicole would know, in the in the first year when the WA talent got raided. And we've seen other players from other states slowly trickle down into Victoria because of more opportunities. And we've got to find a way, I guess, to turn it back the other way. Even with GWS, there was that Canberra girl who played for GWS and then was playing for Collingwood. Yeah, in yeah, that yeah. Last in the last game, yeah. so it's, it's one that went. It's one that went under the mat for the GWS. They thought, great, we've got this great youngster. Oh, now she's going to go to Collingwood. And yeah, yeah. Well, Jess has been. Um, she's a Canberra kid, and she was in the Australian Academy um, back. I think the year that um, Taylor Harris and Sabrina Frederick were in there. So. Um, She's been around and on the radar, just GWS didn't show much interest in her until Collingwood sort of got interested in her this year. So, um, yeah, I think one week she, was, she had a game with GWS and the next week was with Collingwood, made it a little bit interesting. Um, but, yeah, definitely the competition in Sydney is just getting weakened as, as much as you hope that it's getting stronger. It's um, probably not the players that have been picked for AFLW teams um, don't get to play so much throughout winter and some of them have been coming down and playing in the VFLW. And then there's a next tier down that haven't been selected at AFLW level yet. And there's probably half a dozen of them that are sitting in VFL programs. So they're hoping to then play this solid winter season to then put their hand up to be drafted. So it just weakens, you know, when you're losing your quality players throughout Sydney, it just weakens the um, level of competition up there. So um, definitely I agree with Nicole that they do need a needful competition and... Um, not the little um, entree they had last year with you know, three or four games. With and they split the Giants in half. With the yeah, North they split, yeah, yeah, the North South and then the Suns and the um, Lions. They probably you yeah, need to extend it, similar to what the men have. And you've got you know a couple of good teams from Canberra that come in, a couple from Sydney, and you know play those northern states. And that's really where the development will come. Is if they can get some quality games throughout winter rather than one or two here and there. I think that'll that'll develop that those level of players. I, I don't believe the academies are doing that at all. And, Nicole, going along the lines of you can only be what you can see, NT Thunder have had a little bit of that in the VFLW because they have hosted games in Darwin and in Alice Springs. For the GWS Giants, for their five-game invitational series, they all came down to Victoria. So there's no what I call next-level football, or football at least just underneath the AFLW, being played during the winter in Sydney, whether it be in Sydney, whether trying to develop the game by taking to Canberra or Newcastle, for example, for those girls playing in the leagues underneath to come and watch and see and go, this is a viable pathway. You push to the next level, not AFLW, but the next level, and you can be playing in these games. Yeah, it certainly it is, um, as we spoke about. And if you think about it, Pete, it's the style of footy as well. That You know, coming down to Victoria is great. And, and certainly, you know, it's plenty of players are doing that from all around Australia, from, you know, Western Australians, Queenslanders, Territory Girls, uh, Sydney Girls, uh, even the Tassie Girls obviously coming up. And so, and that's just to get critical mass and amount of games. Because if we're playing seven games, seven to nine games in an AFLW season, where are we going to get an extra, you know, seven or eight games into the AFL girls just to, you know, to keep the upkeep of that. But the style of footy, if you think about it, <clears throat> you know, the, the AFLW is played in summer. So it's hot and it's humid and, and all the rest of it. Would it make not sense that, you know, that the, the girls that are coming from, as I said, if it was a needful-type competition, they're actually playing in warmer conditions in Queensland and the Northern Territory, which actually replicate AFLW season much better than mm. coming down to 
you know, and, and I am an ex-Victorian, I'm not hanging on Victoria, <laughs> but uh, there's probably a reason why I'm moving up to the uh, sunny coast as well. So, um, the, the fields as well. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, the weather, you know, it's congested footy down here. It's it's cold and it's wet, and it's not really replicating what these girls in these you know, in, from GWS and North um, will probably get to compete in 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 the summer series, in the AFLW series. So there's not only a, a geographical and a, a skill thing, it's also a weather thing and the conditions. You know, we saw how well Adelaide have, have controlled the conditions better with maybe those those girls coming from northern um, Australia as well. So, yeah, so there's a little bit of everything. And the open footy probably played in the Western Australias and Queenslands of the place versus the congested ball down here. It's good to, to learn both, but it's very congested down here and... And, and such and so forth. So, yeah, I don't know where the balance is, but as I said, I think, you know, um, the powers that be probably need to look at what the structure looks like to, so that we are developing the northern states um, in our competition in AFLW. And like you said, closer to AFLW standard, because I was also chatting to Laura Attard, former Diamond Creek footballer, now playing with Bond University this year, uh, playing this afternoon, by the way, 3pm in the grand final against Cooparoo. I'll get your thoughts on that very shortly as well, And Nicole. Uh, that game, 3pm, by the way, if you go to the AFL Queensland website, aflq.com.au, you'll find the relevant link so you can watch that from 3pm. Uh, that should be a cracking game. But even Laura said she noticed about years of playing inside football, particularly at a muddy ground like Plenty War Memorial Park up there at Diamond Creek, to then playing a very, not only open game in Queensland, which Craig Starcevich, originally from WA, went to Queensland, said the Queenslanders were trying to mimic exactly what the West Aussies were doing. But they're also playing 16 aside compared to here in Victoria in this game that we're playing today where we're playing 18 aside still. Yeah, as I said, they do. Western Australia and Queensland actually replicate almost the AFLW um, rules per se. Although in the... Same in Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Queensland's slightly different in the comp. They actually do... Um, they do have the congestion rules and things like, yeah. Well, they don't have the congestion rules, but they have a few other little tweaks. But and but Western Australia is is uh, replicating exactly the AFLW rules with the sixteen aside and all the other, you know, bits and pieces in there. Yeah, Queensland's got a bit of a version of a, a mixed version of both. Um, but as I said, yeah, it's really important that we try to get those those uh, non-traditional states, I guess, to um, to. You know, as I said, they're just fantastic athletes uh, and such in Queensland, and that's what's sort of really quite inspiring. What we need to then do is ensure that we're getting, you know, footy smarts and footy IQ and, and gameplay into them to, so that they can develop actually playing the game of AFL. Uh, I said I was going to get your thoughts on it just quickly because you were assistant coach in Coolangatta Tweed uh, over the last uh, couple of months or so up there in the QAFLW competition. A, how did you enjoy your time up there? And B, who do you think will win today's game between the minor premiers Bond University and Cooper Roo who have won a number of premierships in the past and have made the run from fourth to the grand final? Yeah, it's been interesting, isn't it? And, and like anything, the effect of AFLW players coming back in and winter series and state 18s and they had a state 23s game against Western Australia. So like down here and around Australia, a lot of the, the better players are coming back in the second half of the season. So, you know, the results early are very different than the results later. And having been tailed up by Bond University uh, in the Pride Round in Queensland a few weeks ago, that, you know, they're outstanding um an outstanding footy team and a lot of um, rising stars, a lot of AFLW girls that are obviously on the, you know, because obviously Bond Uni down on the Gold Coast, a lot of those girls are obviously being already listed at the Suns in the Suns Academy and such. Um, and they also have the benefit of their coach being the academy coach at the Suns. So, you know, the kids are uh, tend to 
to move to Bond. So there's some absolute rippers there. And as I said, we happily, unhappily for me, we absolutely got towed up by Bond. And Cooper, as yeah, as you've said, of sort of, you know, a couple of weeks out from the finals, they were sixth and not even, like, oh. the whole competition was like, oh, my goodness, it might be the first time. But in true form, they've, uh, they've everything's done. Everyone's done everything right. And my team actually might have done everything right for Cooper to make finals. Don't worry about that. Um, so, yeah, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Cooper, we've got much more experienced AFLW Brisbane Lions players in it versus obviously um, you know some of the kids around Bond. Cooper is really on fire. It's going to be an absolute rip, ripper game. <clears throat> I guess I can go. I can go a bit of a bias and make sure a Gold Coast team wins. But um, I've also got a lot of people I know playing at Cooperoo, uh, and as I said, that I think. It's going to be a really ripper game, and I reckon just maybe the experience of Cooperoo um, uh, may get over the line. But Cooperoo's had some really slow starts, so they've been playing chase up footy yeah. in the second half every in both week. Finals, yeah. yeah. So you know, they, if they get a good start, Cooperoo, they'll probably put it away. But Bond won't let them back in the game as much as maybe some other teams have throughout the finals. Um, if Bond can get that jump. So it might, you know, the first quarter will be really interesting. That first half will be interesting to see because, as I said, Bond, I don't think, will let Cooperu back in the game like some of the other clubs have. And, um, yeah, so it's really good and happy to announce that I'm actually um, just only just last week been appointed as the head coach of uh, Gatta for next season. Ladies so and gentlemen, round of applause uh, for Nicole Graves. Yeah, so high level, low light for them or not, but uh, I'm pretty happy because, one, I'm going back to the warmth, uh, and the warmth in winter in Queensland is, uh, is a hell of a lot better than what I've been down here. So that's good. And as I said, I'm being really inspired by um, the quality of development in Queensland footy, and, and that's what I love doing when I'm when I'm coaching is is developing young players and, and teaching them how to play the game. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. But as I said, this will be an absolute ripper, and I'll be certainly racing back to, to watch the stream of that game uh, and see how it all goes. First of all, congratulations on the fishery becoming a bluebird. That's what they call themselves, the Cullingatta Tweed Bluebirds. I know. Well, as I said, I'm a bit funny about the bluebirds because I'm of the vintage that remembers, obviously, Anna Carl, the supporter, the cheerleaders. So I'm not sure if it balances well with my inner (laughs) feminism. But um, But is that Gold Coast where they have um, bikini meter mates? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's up in the busy part. I'm down south. I'm (laughs) down south towards Cooley. So, yeah, so I'm down in the, yeah, a bit closer to the north, uh, to the New South Wales coast. But, uh, yeah, so... There's a couple of things there, so I kind of tend to call us the birdies or Cooley um, than the bluebirds. But as I said, that was my internal struggle with uh, yeah with the 80s uh, cheer squad. I was going to say, showing you in a Carlton supporter by going from one navy blue to another navy blue. It must have been hard years at Swan Districts when they were wearing black and white stripes. I know, when I walked into Swan Districts Footy Club and they showed me my office for the first time, it was just what I visioned, not being West Australia, what I visioned is Collingwood jumpers everywhere around me. I was beside myself. But uh, 13 years um, and 10 years coaching at the Swan Districts and 13 years in WA, certainly, yeah, black and white is, is certainly part of my blood, but not the not the Collingwood probably version of that. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been good. And as I said, I'm a mad Carlton supporter going up there and, and coaching. Uh, so I really haven't even had to change uniforms in the last 12 months. Um, so that's been good. And, and weirdly enough, I still know the song because it's the Carlton theme song is cool and get a uh, theme song as well. So I'm going along beautifully. Easy. 
Yeah, winning lotto ticket there. We might take this opportunity to take a break here on RSN Carnival 2 and WARFradio.com and the VFL app. When we return on the other side of the break, we're going to pick Lucy Watkins' brains about the Melbourne Uni side and particularly some of all the VFLW uh, listed footballers about how they will go today. And we'll look at some of the matchups as we count down to the 12 p.m. bounce down, the final game of the VFLW home and away season, Melbourne University versus the NT Thunder. Pre-game for leaguetees.com.au Footy's great and sometimes not so great. Tell us about the very first time they walked onto a footy field to play their first ever AFL-VFL game. When someone told you you play the best game again that moment, nothing but joy. Now that's our ripping new podcast. You can always tell them you played one game. I rang Dad and said, listen, I've got my first three game, but I don't know what to do because they've got me thinking of that moment. This is Kevin Hillier. Paul Daffy and I are releasing a new episode every Tuesday. Everyone came down from Benio to watch me play. David Parker rang me and said, we've decided to leave you out because you're just too skinny and too thin and, and, and you're going to get battered around. You can always tell them you played one game. Check the podcast page at rsn.net.au as well as iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast and wherever good podcasts are found. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. The smell of baking. Routley's Bakery is so good. Why not grab a Routley slice to go with your coffee? Make it a classic apple slice, a bee sting, or a vanilla slice. That's absolute custard heaven. You can make a move on a muffin or go all the way and bite into a wicked Nutella donut. Routley's Bakery's right across Geelong, as well as Eltona, Newport, Williamstown, and Ascot Vale. Fancy a Routley's pie? Of course you do. Inside Racing, the official magazine of Racing Victoria and Australia's best monthly race information source. Inside the August issue, Danny Power previews the spring without winks with the new names to watch. Matt Ellis takes us inside the Apprentice Jockey Training Program and Tim Geel goes one-on-one with Sam Friedman. Plus the industry section featuring the conditions for the major spring races. Subscribe to Inside Racing, call customer first 1300 139 401 for advertising 1300 783 112. One of them is where I shake my head to get my hair out of my eyes. There's another one where I sort of do like a little squeaking in my throat. Tourette's syndrome is a neurological disorder that affects thousands of Australians. It is characterised by involuntary movements and vocal noises called tics. We can't help it, and we're just like you in every other way. So visit Tourette's.org.au. RSN 927 conducts competitions almost every day. Every contest is run according to our general competition rules. There are even competitions which have specific terms and conditions. If you would like to read our general competition rules or any special terms and conditions, look for the links on the competitions page at rsn.net.au or ask for a copy during business hours at the RSN 927 reception desk. Daniel Hufford leads the Breakfast Club. Monday mornings, Rodney E joins the Breakfast Club reviewing all the weekend's footy. Rodney E, he's the Monday analyst. Back this Monday morning from 7 to 8 on RSN 927's Breakfast Club. There's jumpers, hoodies and tees for you at leaguetees.com.au 
bigtees.com.au is your place for retro footy gear with designs created by local artists that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, their unique range of women's footy tees help raise funds for Indigenous literacy programs. Get online and start shopping today. Bigtees.com.au or SN Carnival 2. Carnival 2, WARFradio.com and the VFL app. This is the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Match of the Day. It is the final game of the home and away season and it will decide the top six. The simple equation is Melbourne Uni win and they go into the finals. The Hawks fall out of the top six. If Melbourne Uni lose, they stay in seventh. They miss the finals and the Hawks survive. And of course, the uh, winner out of that equation, either Melbourne Uni or Hawthorne, will meet Geelong next week in the fifth versus sixth elimination final at Northport Oval. Peter Holden, Lucy Watkin, Lisa Kiwi, Roper and Nicole Gray's with you for this game, 11 minutes away from Bounstown. Let's start to pick Lucy's brains about uh, about some of the players today. I'll ask you first of all about Lucille Walsh, who's made her way up through the grades. Yeah, Lucille's a really good story, I think, this year for the BFLW. Last year in the first game, first round against Geelong at uh, GMHBA Stadium, really late in the game, she got a knock to the back of the head, didn't think much of it, and then had delayed onset concussion that kept her kept her out of the VFLW all year last year and very late into the season this year. And um, I remember the really late, late delayed onset concussion really affected her um, sort of quality of life as well for, um, for Lucy Walsh. So she's worked really, really hard to get back into the side. And now when you see her, she'll be wearing, sporting a helmet on the ground. I think it was her fifth concussion, the one that happened last year. So good to see that she's back playing, but extremely quick and extremely creative off halfback, um, Lucille Walsh. Very, very good kick um, and a really good leader on the field as well. But I think for Lucy, just the biggest thing for her this season has been able to get back into the VFLW and back into the game because um, she was kept out of it for so long. How about Vivian Saad, who's been playing as an undersized ruck? Actually started down forward uh, when the first game against Geelong kicked a few goals. Um, like I said, undersized forward, uh, pardon me, undersized ruck, and has been doing you know quite well against some of the more experienced rucks of the competition. Yeah, Viv's, I think this is her first year playing football, first or second year playing football, so very, very, very new to the game. But she's an ex-basketballer and quite a high-level basketballer as well and you can tell you can see that when she sort of goes overhead and in the air she's really really strong that sort of basketball skill um it's really really good in the in tight and in close spaces for a taller girl as well which is comes from her basketball background but huge leap on her as well which is what's helped her in the ruck and as you said playing quite undersized but she does a very very good job and i think as the season's gone on and as pre-season's gone on she's gotten used to the the contact that comes with being in the ruck and sort of uh, the physicality of football and she's just improved out of sight as as the year has gone on and I just remember in pre-season uh, she, was, she was coming along and she was doing really really well and then all of a sudden one day it just seemed, seemed, like, seemed like she was clunking all her marks getting all of her tap outs her kicks were all on target and she's really really taken that to the next level throughout the season Talking about uh, physicality uh, one Katie Angelus yeah, Katie's a great sort of small forward, you'd yeah, say that she yeah. is. Um, she's so clever around goal and also very quick off the mark, which you don't expect. So she gets off on a lead um, 
usually she will she'll leave a defender behind, um, which is always a very very big positive for a forward like that. But I think the thing that she does so well is she's so good at ground level. She's so good at picking up the crumbs, um, you know, off the off the taller forwards when they're playing in there, like Britt Gibson, and um, who else plays forward? I always forget. Um, Kate Gillespie <laughs> Jones when she's yeah, down yeah, there, yeah. and Sophie Abatangelo is such a great mark overhead. So when they're not um, taking their marks in the forward fifty, Katie Angelus is always there at ground level to pick it up um, and sort of get it through the goal. So she's so creative, and she's kicked quite a few goals this year. And another name also that's gone under the radar has been Nicole Julian. Yeah, Nicole Julian. Um, she's also a very physical player. She's mm. very, very strong around the contest. Uh, pretty much a very, like, a hard, wins the hard ball really, really well in close. Extremely good tackler and also has extremely good uh, fitness. So she'll always run out a game very, very strongly. But it's always in and around the contest that I think she does her best work. Uh, Kiwi, I'll bring you in on this name. I think you were mentioning a, a Sydney sider that has come down in Nadia Moore. Yeah, I um, I spent a little bit of time with um, Ned um, when I was at UNSW in Sydney and um, actually got to run out for my 250 game alongside her. Oh. But, um, you know, she would spend just hours before and after training just working on her working on her craft and just really, you know, one of those players that won't stop trying to get better. And um, so I'm excited for her to come down to Melbourne this year. And I think she's um, played a pretty solid season with... Um, um, the muggers and you know she's marked up on you know usually the key forwards in the other team so you know that just shows to me that even Scott Gowans has you know faith in her ability and um, what she can bring and she's got good height she gets up in the air she's got some good speed and um, and I really like her I you know I think she's um, doing a good job I talked to her after one of the games and she wasn't so sure at how she had been progressing and if she'd done enough to um, you know come into the radar to get drafted but um, players like that, you just got to keep trying and trying. But um, she's just a really good person as well. So, um, yeah, excited to see her run around again today. As we look at the NT Thunderside, in fact, uh, the umpires are coming out onto the ground as we speak. And we also see Melbourne Uni being led out there by Emma Carney as uh, the siren sounds to let the NT Thunderside know it's time to come out onto the ground. Um, a couple of the players that stand out for me, um, particularly one, Michaelia Roberts. Um, she's an Indigenous footballer, an excitement machine in the forward line. And, OK, he's not a player that's going to give you 100% throughout the match, but she just knows in games that are close, in games that are tight, when to pop up at the crucial moment and have an influence on the game. Everyone agrees by the sound of it. I just <laughs> so I wasn't even sure if my microphone was on. I do agree. Um, having again um, done a little bit of development stuff when I was over in the West in the Territory, and um, yeah, they've got a couple of sort of players that can that will actually hold this team together. And you pointed obviously one out there, and I think also. Christy Irvine, who was sort of playing all Australian uh, state, you know, or was picked in all Australian teams for a couple of years there in the sort of in the mid 2000s. So got plenty of experience and, and such, and won't be intimidated by any of these sorts of play. They won't be intimidated by the, their opposition with the AFLW girls in there. So I think you know they're really key. Um, to how the outcome of, I guess, the game today and how competitive the NT Thunder can be. Looking through the uh, names, Rachel Killian, if I'm correct off the top of my head, I think former West Adelaide footballer um, and, and kicked a bunch of goals there in the old SAWFL. Uh, uh, other names I throw in there, Sophie Armistead, Danielle Ponta, Stevie Lee Thompson. And, and, and in my opinion, Nicole, possibly the biggest in for the NT Thunder today is Denny Van Hagen. 
Yeah, there's a couple of rippers, isn't there? And yeah, so those again, those girls won't be intimidated by um, by what's going on in the opposition with the you know, with the likes of some of the superstars of of the Melbourne University team, and that's really key when these young players are, um, are developing and, and not being overwhelmed. And, and nicely enough, as I said, um, the weather's great. It's you know fantastic. The, the footy field's looking brilliant out here at Arden Street. The sun's shining for how long we don't know, but uh, it's shining now. So quick, blow the siren. Let's get this game started. So, yeah, so as I said, it's really important. They've got a good balance of experience and kids coming through in the NT Thunder team. So you never know. And they've got, again, sometimes, Pete, like anything, when the team's got nothing to lose in theory, um, they can step up. And it's important that they finish off on a good note too. Uh, I guess the NT Thunder is going to have a headache um, who they match up on with Melbourne University. Because let me roll through these names that can easily play in the engine room in the midfield. Ash Riddell, Emma Carney. Jessica Trent, Holly Whitford, Caitlin Cox, Jenna Bruton, and you can even throw in one or two other names there as well. That's six players that are decent midfielders that they can just rotate through at any stage, and you've got to try and match up on them. Yeah, it's going to be a hard day, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, can't, I cannot believe the headache that Heidi Thompson is going to have today. What do you do in that situation? Are you trying to just match up player v player, or are you just going to say, look, we've just got to put our best two or three midfielders in the middle and cross our fingers and hope for the best? Yeah, just to pick, yeah, it depends on the um, on the game sort of style. You know, as a coach, you try not to worry too much about the oppo, particularly when you're playing an opposition with probably the bigger names in the footy side. So what you want to do is try to stick to your structures, and 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 that's what Hyde will be re- reiterating. As as so will the Melbourne Uni team. They want to make sure they, you know, if they do make finals, they're coming into form in the way that they want to play the play their game and as I said the NT Thunder style of footy is, is you know is quite different to everyone else so they need to stick to that to that game style and and have some faith in the in the plan that the plan will work because if you start worrying about individuals it just all goes pear-shaped you know game plans are there not when you're flying and you're winning by 10 goals you know everything goes beautifully in a game plan then a game plan it really needs to be delivered and stuck to when you when you're struggling you know when you when you are a couple of goals down or you are playing at some of these teams that perhaps have got some bigger names and as I said the names don't necessarily correlate to a win it just means there's some different things that you have to think about and you know you may do a couple of run with if you know yeah. the likes of Emma Carney or Jenna Bruton get off the chain but until that point you probably just need to be really aware of them and then sort of as the game goes along start to assess who's really hurting you. Strangely enough Kiwi the conditions today might actually help NT Thunder. They've had a number of games down here, including their loss against Weemstown. Weemstown's only win of the year where it's been cold, wet, the wind's been blowing, it's been miserable. It's actually, at least standing in the direct sunlight, it's a nice, beautiful day here at Arden Street Oval. It's a good, quick track by the look of it. And if the game can open up a bit, particularly with the speed that some of the NT Thunder players have, it just might bring them a bit more into the game. Yeah, and, um, you know, being that the field's nice and firm too, I think it could suit them. And, um, you know, I think if they if some of these girls can just back themselves a little bit with their, you know, natural NT flair that they have, um, they could definitely take it to the muggers. I think they flew in yesterday morning when it was really nice and warm. Mm-hmm. And um, probably if they got to have a little walk around um, after they got to the motel, it was probably nice and cold and wet. So, um, you know, I think they've had the whole four seasons in a day the day that they've been here so they're probably happy for the less lesser of the wind this morning and a bit of a warm day to get out in their shorts 
Having a look down below just quietly, the crowd as we speak is probably built up to about 150. A few Thunder supporters and Crow supporters I can see uh, directly below us and uh, going across to the left, quite a few North Melbourne supporters. I'm just casting my eye around to see if hiding under a tree anywhere is Patrick Hill and maybe some of the Hawthorne footballers uh, wondering what their fate is going to be. I'll ask the two coaches in the box and Coach Kiwi and Nicole Graves. If you're a side that's in Hawthorne's position and you're awaiting what's happening today, what's your philosophy with your players? Just like, just go out and do whatever you do during the day. We'll know by two o'clock what the result is. Or do you actually come down to the ground in big numbers, stand in a visible spot where you can be seen, just as a little mind game with Melbourne Uni to say, we're here, we're watching you, it's all on you? Yeah, it's a bit of a balance, isn't it? I certainly wouldn't. You'd be interested in the interested in the result but ultimately coming down and watching the game is not going to change the result uh, just because uh, you were sitting in the grandstand more for anything uh, you, that, that you know the recruiters will be down here watching watching some of these young players and seeing what will happen in draft that's probably more who's watching uh, around about the place than probably watching what happens the results will take care of themselves and I'm quite sure you know um, Paddy Hill will you play who you play and um, you know they've played everyone in the competition already, they know what they they need to do, and and certainly speaking to Paddy last week, you know most coaches, as we were just talking about, will stick to their plan, so they won't they won't mind who they play. There may be better matchups, um, you know, uh, if one if uh, Geelong get in versus um, versus Melbourne Uni getting in some different matchups there and some different considerations, but. Um, uh, yeah, more to the point, it'd be you know them coming down, sort of sussing out, you know, the kids. And as I said, I guess Paddy not being an, an AFLW um, coach, he'll be just worried about his his team and what they can do. As we see both sides just starting to finish up uh, their warm-ups. We are three minutes away from bounce out here. Again, just repeating the situation for those that have just joined us on RSN Carnival 2, WARFradio.com and the VFL app. This is the final game of the home and away season. Finals will begin next week. Collingwood finished as minor premiers. They will host the second-place Southern Saints at Victoria Park next weekend. Date and time to be confirmed to the qualifying final. Winner goes through to the major semi. Loser has the double chance, goes to the minor semi-final. Third versus fourth is already locked in. It's the Western Bulldogs versus Richmond in that elimination final to be held at Northport Oval date and time to be confirmed. Winner of that match will play the winner of Collingwood versus the Southern Saints. Loser eliminated. And of course, Geelong will await either Melbourne Uni or Hawthorne. If Melbourne Uni win today, it's Geelong-Melbourne Uni next week. If Melbourne Uni lose to the NT Thunder today, it'll be Geelong versus Hawthorne next week. In that elimination final at Northport Oval, the winner will go through to the minor semi-final and play the loser of Collingwood versus the Southern Saints. Everyone on board with that. It's a very confusing final structure. Yeah, and I'm tired. Just yeah. my thoughts yeah. saying yeah. that, wasn't it? It's quite exhausting, but again, really exciting. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. And obviously, you know, those those top four teams are locked in. So that's, um, you know, so that's uh, really good for those guys that have sort of been more consistent. But as I said, you know, the Geelong and Hawks, depending on... Yeah, Geelong don't have to worry. Geelong yeah, are Geelong in. are in, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, sorry, Muggers and Hawks, I should say. Um, you know, they can make a, a real difference in there as well. So I don't know who those top four teams would be real nervous about coming into that, given Hawthorne's form last year and the experience. So they're not going to get overwhelmed because they've played in a final series. Uh, but, yeah, again, you know, Muggers have played in plenty of finals footy over the years. 
and I might just say just quickly before they get underway and, and, and Rob Coach Kiwi on this, a quick, quick congratulations to Penny Cooler-Reed in her first two years of coaching, coaching the Collingwood Football Club to back-to-back VFLW minor premierships. Yeah, it's, um, I, yeah, I flicked her a text yesterday and said, um, well done, super coach. <laughs> and she just straight away replied and um, obviously you know, gave credit to the whole team. And, um, yeah, you know, the culture that's inside that Collingwood club is, is pretty impressive. And um, when I ring back to Sydney each week and tell um, my partner what I'm doing down here, um, I kind of, you know, sort of share with her a lot of how great it is at Collingwood, which for anyone who doesn't like Collingwood, you kind of probably maybe more surprised to find how great it is inside the inner sanctum there. But, um, yeah, she's got a great culture going on and everyone has a role to perform and um, and I think she's just you know getting the best out of everyone and all the players, regardless of where they rank on the list, um, you know, contribute really well. To get us underway for the first quarter, here's Lucy Watkin. So, bounce down at uh, Arden Street Oval, tap one down by Saad, who got it to Carney. Carney got a handball to Trent, who just kicked wide to the outer side. The mark was dropped coming in Northern Territory. Ball spills out again to Trent. who got a handball back to Saad. Saad towards half forward. Great mark taken there by Saxon Jones. 23rd player. Goes inside 50 over the head of Gibson. Into the hands of Katie Angelis. So he spoke pre-game but it's wide. So there's Angelis being creative there at ground level. Minus score. Melbourne Uni one behind in Teeth Thunder. No score. 40 seconds gone in the match. Here's the kick out to Denny Van Hagen, who now goes up the line trying to find Letitia Jeffrey, the NT Thunder captain. She takes a mark. Half-back flank. Broadcast side. Now the kick's a bit of a wobbly one. Grissom tries to get a fist in there to knock it away. Does so successfully. They look to turn the ball over here. The Muggers through Carney, who goes towards the 50-metre arc. Coming out to meet it is Jess Trent. Trent gives off the hand pass to Emma Carney. Carney shakes the kick at the last second. Probably should have gone for home elect to pull the kick and it just bounced over the boundary line and out of bounds. 25 metres around from the left-hand point post. Early impressions from Coach Kiwi. Yeah, look, this is a positive start by the Muggers taking the ball into the inside 50, but um, I think both times there they've just lacked a little bit of composure in front of goal and you know perhaps you could have seen two majors already. So throw in, inside 50 for the Muggers, taken away by Armistead of the NT Thunder. Clearing kick, kick will find its way to half-back. Thompson is in pursuit. Picks out the ball, gets around Trent, pops a kick on the outside of her boot, going inboard. Johnston was clever, got a handball back out wide, looking for Riley. Her handball was picked off by Brutton of the Muggers. Her kick towards a half-forward is marked by Abitangelo. So Abitangelo looking short for Saxon Jones. The ball came out of her hands and just slapped Gillespie Jones in the face. But we're back at half-forward flank now. Abitangelo got a handball out looking for Trent. Johnston of the NT Thunder went in and we'll have a ball up exactly on the 50 metre arc. So in the Melbourne Uni attacking half now, it's Saad versus Kuzak. Goes through the legs of Bard of the NT Thunder, picked up by Carney. Carney finds Trend at half forward. Trend kick around the body, goes inside looking for Angelus. 
Gillespie Jones couldn't pick up the crumbs and it's just cleared by the NT Thunder. And they take it now at centre half back. They elect to go through a run through Streeter. Streeter now working wide, managing to find the running player there in Hart Alooney. That is Taylor Hart Alooney, 23rd player today for the NT Thunder. Works it out wide towards the wing on the far side of the ground. Spinning around in a circle, Stevie Lee Thompson had to put on the Jets, gave off the football, then kicked up the line looking for Michaelia Roberts who came out and took the mark. Roberts now with the football. She's about 65 to 70 metres out from home. Alexa go for the spearing pass. Just falls short there as Sally Riley got away from her. Cleaning up the mess though. Wearing the long sleeves, Jasmine Grierson, who goes and finds the player all by herself on the wing position. And taking that mark is Holly Whitford. When a problem comes along, Yuma Whitford, and she goes with a short pass to Jenna Bruton. Bruton with the footy, still on centre wing, out of sight of the ground here at Arden Street Oval, going long towards the scoreboard. It bounced away. It will be last disposal. Free kick going the way of Jordan Hickey for the NT Thunder. Also, early impressions from Nicole Graves. Yeah, it's been interesting, hasn't it? Uh, I think uh, Gillespie Jones had a little bit of friendly fire in those ones, and uh, is, it seems to be okay, but Carney influenced influential already six possessions already in the first few minutes five possessions i should say so hickey's kick was looking for heart a loony and she was just kept out of it by riddell who just tackled her up when she dropped the mark so we've had just a restart on the edge of the square on the far side the ball isn't going anywhere so we'll have a secondary stoppage breaking free there was emma carney but the umpire had already called it back Saad and kuzak go for it Comes down to Bard of the NT Thunder. She goes towards forward 50, almost taken by Kim Ed. She gets around a player, kicks inside, looking for trend over her head into the hands of Saad. Saad wrapped up by Ponta, but managed to get the handball away to Daniak, who went to Trend, who went to Carney. Carney got a handball out to the wide wing to Riddell, who goes forward, looking for Kuz. Oh. Leo Saxon Jones. Her kick was picked up by Angelus. Angelus got it inside 50, but it'll be cleared away by Byers of the NT Thunder. Her handball, though, was picked off. So NT Thunder, the handball in board will only go the way of Runnels. Runnels gets a kick around the body, and it's a second scoring opportunity for the Muggers, which will go the way of a behind. So it's Melbourne Uni 0 2 2 to the NT Thunder, yet to score. Five minutes gone in this game. Good signs early for the NT Thunder there, uh, Kiwi. Um, they, they've not let Melbourne Uni settle. You know, and they're uh, mostly pretty tidy with the ball. There's just a couple of t- occasions there, um, you know, possession is, is just given away a little early. But, um, yeah, generally they, they're giving it a good crack. Kick back into play was marked by Kate Gillespie Jones, who goes long and taking the mark. 15 metres out from goal directly in front is Katie Angelus. Lovely mark at the top of the goal square. She'll be going back to try and put through Melbourne Uni's first goal of the game at the five-and-a-half-minute mark of this first term. In she creeps, puts the boot through it, and stays to the left. Melbourne Uni, three behinds, NT Thunder, no score. And Nicole, the Muggers have got the yips early. Yeah, they have. Like, their skills around the field have been absolutely elite, the way they've worked the ball from half back, but inside 50, they've just been wasting it. Great punch from behind, just spoiled Duggan by uh, Duffin. Duffin, blank. I want to call it Gibson. I knew it wasn't her. Jess Duffin, the late in for Melbourne Uni. The kick inside 50 was not taken cleanly, so we'll have a ball up. 40 metres from the Muggers' goal. Gillespie Jones in there. She gets the tap down. Carney was lurking but wrapped up immediately. We'll have another ball up in the exact same position. 
Inside 50 for the Muggers. 40 from their goal. Duggan and Gillespie-Jones go at it. Gillespie-Jones won the tap down. Carney overran it. Handball out by Johnston. Was picked off by Riddell. Riddell goes around the body into the hot spot. Brutton gets the crumbs. Does a U-turn. Gets the handball back to Trend. Trend goes short, but it's picked off by Denny Van Hagen. And Van Hagen now with the footy. Elects to go on the right boot. Going up the line. Broadcast side of the ground. Two Thunderpies attacked it. Didn't talk. Trying to kick it off the carpet was Dominique Carbone. Managed to move it forward. Here comes the don't argue. But Lucille Walsh is not buying. And a good tackle laid on. Stripping Denny Alponte at the football. And Lucille Walsh will end up going with a short pass. Looking for Ash Riddell. Riddell decides to play on to get around McCartney Roberts. Works it wide to Jess Trend. Jess Trend with the ball. 70 metres out from goal. Gets on the right boot. Goes inside. 50 with the kick. It's a high flying ball. Abitangelo too early to jump. Hand passes wild. Came out the side looking for Byers to almost pick it up here for the NT Thunder. Two players jump on her and the umpire says it's not going anywhere. We'll call for a ball up. Let's get some thoughts from Nicole Graves. Yeah, it's been interesting isn't it? You can just see Stevie Lee um, just just sitting off the back of that of each of those stoppages and when they feed the ball back but in opposite of that you've got Emma Carney sitting off the back of the stoppage the other end so they're sort of balancing each other out and they're certainly the two players with the most possessions so far and the most influence. And a flying shot at goal there by Melbourne Uni by Brittany Gibson stayed left and did not hook back minus score. Four behinds Melbourne Uni, NT Thunder no score. Emma Carney once again with the assist there to Britt Gibson as the NT Thunder try to get out of defensive 50 they go long up the line but it's picked off by Jess Duffin another one of her trademark intercept marks so Duffin just going back now she's about 60 metres from goal on the outer side she goes long inside 50 looking for Abitangelo and Abitangelo just muscles her opponent out of it and gets the mark she's going to go back and have a set shot about 30 metres from goal, slight angle, pops it on the right boot, goes up, and it's perfect, and the Melbourne Uni have their first goal of the game, 1-6-4-10 to NT Thunder, yet to score, nine minutes gone in this first quarter. Kiwi? Yeah, um, NT are, you know, pretty much marking one-on-one down in their defensive 50, but they're letting Gillespie Jones get free quite a lot, and um, you know, she didn't have an impact on that ball, but you know, a player like that, you don't want to give her very much space, and you know, certainly she'll come into the game very soon if they don't change that up. One four ten, Melbourne Uni, NT Thunder, no score. Nine minutes gone in this first term, and I think uh, Gracie, the inside fifties would have to be something about, I think, eight to one in favour of Melbourne Uni. That's exactly what I have written here, Pete. Well done. Don't, and, and we're sitting four people away, so we didn't even cheat. Um, yeah, so it is inside fifties or eight, and really dominant, and even Melbourne. Uni just sitting along at the half-back line and just rebounding. So NT Thunder are getting it out there. It's hitting that half-back line and just, as we're watching at the moment, swinging straight back into Melbourne Uni's attack. Yes, Carbone went with a long kick but intercepted by Grison at centre-half back who went wide, originally getting Bateman. Bateman then came in board to find Abitangelo who released Carney. Carney went long to the hotspot, 30 metres out from goal. Angelus jumps with the football, bumped off at the crucial moment. In fact, it was Gibson rather, and then it was sent back by the Thunder in towards the middle of the ground, waiting for it to come out the side there, Stevie Lee Thompson. Just popped over her head. Trying to get a hand pass there is Duffin. Umpire says throw. Free kick going the way of Stevie Lee Thompson for the Thunder. Defensive side of the centre circles. Ten minutes gone in this first term. Ten-point lead to 
Melbourne Uni, Mark here, Streeter, now plays on, oh, pardon me, this is Streeter now receiving, who wanted to go for a run, I think the umpire blew the whistle too early, then got called for the play on, Grierson put her head over the football, got taken too high by Streeter, and that will be a free kick, Grierson in the long sleeves, Delex to go wide towards the halfback flank to Daisy Bateman, Bateman right in front of our broadcast position here, high up in level three at Arden Street Oval, certainly different than Melbourne Uni, it goes long, putting her hands up in the air and bringing it down, with Christy Irvine going in there, potentially. Jolly got it out to Carney who had to put on the afterburners got rid of one got rid of Streeter then goes for the hand pass to Alicia King King on the right boot now swinging around towards the half forward flank flying through the air there was Angeles didn't quite fully commit coming in to lay the tackle Lisa Roberts umpire says holding the football pinning the player in Caitlin Cox free kick to the NT Thunder match analyst today Lisa Kiwi Roper um, look, yeah, there's, there's um, some good quality uh, tackling coming in when the players are starting to take the ball on a little bit um, but yeah, the NT just got to get clean with the ball when they get up to 50. Roberts went short to Bard. Bard went to Leck to go up the line looking for Bush. Bush dropped the mark, kept it in play. Bard following up her kick from before, couldn't get free of the tackle of Grierson and Duffin. So we'll have a throw up. Very close to the NT Thunder interchange bench in front of our broadcast position. Kuzak and Saad. Saad won the tap down straight to Britt Gibson. We've got a handball defensively to Greeson. Greeson went wide to Brutton and Brutton's just going to work it up the wing. But the kick was picked off by Christy Irvine of the NT Thunder. The kick defensively inboard wasn't great. Angelus was there. Picking it up was Whitford. Whitford was stripped of it by Van Hagen and she did a very good job to then apply the tackle to ensure NT Thunder didn't get much further. Just bobbling around now at half forward for the Muggers. Whitford and Van Hagen still battling for it. The umpire let it go a little bit there, but we'll now have the restart. Liking Christy Irvine's physical presence, just hasn't quite stuck the kicks yet, so it's a little something to work on, but could influence the game as it goes along. Kampa. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Pete. <laughs> no, no, King goes through. Alicia King tries to get the football out. Michaelia Roberts is there, but taken away there by Jenna Bruton. Gets the hand pass over the top to Ampatan Jallo. She goes towards the centre-half-forward position looking for Ash Riddell, who slipped over at the crucial moment. Thunder tried to kick it out of defence, but it's partially smarted off the boot. Carney came through, but then coughed up the hand pass. Lisa Roberts kicks the ball away, goes out towards the wing on the far side of the ground, trying to make a contest of it. Michelle Alice. Plenty of numbers out there, though, for the Muggers, and they'll send it back from whence it came. Thanks to Lucille Walsh. Finds a target at to half forward, about 70 metres out from home, right underneath the scoreboard, which shows 13 minutes gone and 10 point lead to the Muggers. Letting the play on there and show the candy is Kim Epp, comes back inboard, but a mark taken by Sally Riley. So Riley just going to go straight up the ground. She's looking for Ponta. Ponta takes the mark on her chest, goes to run on, is held up by the Muggers, gets around one, gets a handball away to the 50 but no clean possession be taken and there was a bit of a clash almost of heads there but we'll have a ball up Saad and Kuzak again battling Kuzak got that over the top but she's given away a free kick Vivian Saad I think it was a bit of a high contact on Gemma Kuzak of NT so Kuzak will just set herself up about 60 metres from goal for the NT Thunder. Going inside 50. Great short pass. Almost was in the hands of Rhiannon Bush. Rutten got a scrubber of kick away. Picked up by 
Kuzak again. Her kick around the body, almost into the hands of Ponta. Ponta kept her feet, got around one, got a kick around the body, but was cleared off the last line of the fence by Britt Gibson, who will get the muggers away. Who's acting as goalkeeper in that situation. Kicked it long, trying to run out and pick up the ball more. Now he's got to spin around, gets on the right boot, coming in board, looking for Apatangelo, who oh. best to put it in one-handed. She can field in the gully any day if she's going to do the one-handed antics like that. Brilliant grab. Kicked it long, looking for Bateman. Just got away from her. Jenna Baird jumped in there. Going on top of the ball again is Bateman for a second crack at it and will call for a ball up. Nicole Grace, how was that one-hander? Yeah, not bad. And then I think Daisy Bateman tried to follow that one-hander and dropped it. So, yeah, so, yeah, no, it was beautiful. And Abitangelo's had, had a couple of really key possessions across that middle and half-back, so she's playing really well. So the ball up clearance was won by Brutton in the centre of the ground, but her kick was picked off inside 50 by Irvine of the NT Thunder. She plays on Alexa go wide, but her kick was picked off by Moore. Moore dropped the mark, but just just got the handball away. No, the umpire will say it was a throw. So the free kick will go the way of Alice in the centre of the ground for NT. She comes wide towards the broadcast position for Thompson. Thompson elected to punch instead of Mark. She's trying to get it down to Duggan. Duggan was had plenty of pressure around her, so picked up by Cox. Cox's kick was partially smothered. Brutton was working through the ball but couldn't get possession. In there was Armistead for the NT Thunder in the centre of the ground. She couldn't get it away, and now it's the Muggers. Riddell, she gets a kick towards 50, looking for Gillespie-Jones, and she takes a strong contested mark. 55 from goal for the Muggers. Goes inside 50, looking for Abitangelo, and Abitangelo takes another great contested mark inside 50 for the Muggers. She's going to go back and have a shot. She's already kicked one today, Sophie Abitangelo. Just a slight angle. 30 metres from goal. She's coming in. Have a shot. Pops it on the boot. It's a big high kick. It'll make the distance, but it's missed everything, and it's out on the full. So we'll have a free kick here for the NT Thunder deep in defence while they get the footy. Let's get some thoughts from Coach Kiwi. Look, um, I think NT are really taking it to them, and they've had some good ball movement up to um, their forward 50, just not able to hold the marks. And in a couple of crucial times, they could have set themselves up for um, a set shot at goal, but they're just dropping the ball too easily. Irvine tried to give off the hand pass there off half back, got intercepted at Batangelo, got across to Carney. Carney then went with a hand pass, she coughed it up. Irvine nearly tripped her up on the way through, just dancing around there as Janet Baird had to work it wide towards the half back flank on the scoreboard side. Duffin gets the football but falls over, manages to slap it forward to Riddell. Riddell got it to Abitangelo, who gave it back to Riddell up against the boundary line, has a flying shot at goal, and it is away to the right. Out of bounds on the full. Three minutes remaining in this quarter. Muggers lead by 10 points. Let's get some thoughts from Nicole Graves. Yeah, it sort of turned around. You see, just in that last couple of minutes, it's been, yes, inside uh, inside the Muggers 50, but, you know, Northern Northern Te- Northern Thunder have certainly, um, have certainly say, started to get a little bit more run. They've, you know, Increase their inside 50s by four. So Baird got the kick in in the forward pocket. She went long, Duffin almost with another one of her trademark intercepts. She dropped the mark and it's been paddled over the boundary line at half forward for the muggers on the far side. Just under the scoreboard, we'll get the throw in. So Saad going up in the ruck for the Muggers wins the tap down. She went defensively looking for Trend. Trend had an opponent on her, so Saad had to rove her own tap and got a handball to Cox. 
Cox was wrapped up and given holding the ball, but we'll play on and Alice now on the outer wing for the Northern Territory gets the handball away to Stevie Lee, juggles it, gets the kick inside 50. Moore's there for the Muggers and she'll run away and clear it. The kick smothered by Thompson, great defensive effort there by her, but Moore cleans it up and gets a kick outside 50, but it's picked off again by NT. It'd have to be 50, and wouldn't that's it? 50. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah. And great work there by uh, Stevie Lee, just working hard, getting it. You know, she's basically working across half back, running down. She's playing in the midfield, I think. And as I said, just sitting off the back of that pack. M- mind you, the Muggers have actually picked that up now and have uh, matched up on her. But this is sort of only the second time in the match where you're talking about uh, the NT Thunder getting it deep inside 50. They've been able to sort of hit, you know, inside sort of, they haven't been able to hit that inside 30 mark. So Sally Riley will come in for the NT Thunder. It's a helicopter of a kick and it will hit the post. So she gets the first score for the Northern Territory. It's 1-4-10, the Muggers, to one behind the Northern Territory. Did she have Chewy on her boot or something? Yeah, well, oh, I, I was, was going to say, if it wasn't a helicopter and it was a drop punt, it wouldn't have actually, it would have spun the right way, it wouldn't have hit the post. But Sally Riley just coming into the last couple of minutes, we were starting to call her name out a lot. So Sally's starting to step up, and that was disappointing. But, uh, yeah, the helicopter versus the drop punt will always do that to you. Uh, originally Duffin with a kick out, got it as far as the seven a wing position as the uh, pack just tried to shuffle along. Uh, that's Cox who kicked the football along the ground. Chasing after it is Holly Whitford put her head over the football and went over the boundary line and out of bounds. 20 seconds remaining in this first term. Melbourne Uni 1-4-10. NT Thunder 1 behind. Live ladder means that Melbourne Uni are currently sitting 6th on the table and Hawthorne are sitting 7th as the result currently sits. As the ball is thrown back into play start to do the rack work here. Takes it immediately out of rack. I thought threw it there. Umpire said got a little bobbly hand pass out. Gibson jumps on the ball. And the siren sounds to indicate quarter time here at Arden Street Oval. Nine points the difference. And the NT Thunder throwing down the challenge. But it's Melbourne Uni ahead. 1-4-10 to one behind. The goal kicker... So far, it's been Sophie Apatangelo for the Muggers. Let's get some thoughts on that opening quarter. Let's start with Coach Kiwi. Yeah, you know, um, the scoreboard probably isn't looking um, as sharp as it could have been for the Muggers. You know, they've had a few shots at goal and then a few others that they didn't even get a score. And, um, you know, they've definitely had some really quality possessions up that end of the field. And inside that last 30 is really, you know, your important sort of zone um, in female footy when you, you know, want to get scores on the board. And... Uh, I don't think they've just made the most of that. And NT, you know, credit to them. They've taken the ball down to their 50. They've had, I think, two shots at goal now and, um, you know, didn't get anything from it. But um, as Nicole said, they're just getting it to their 50, just not getting it inside that real scoring zone um, where they need to take it. But, um, yeah, it's a good game so far. Also, thoughts from Nicole Graves. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things going on there. You know, um, Melbourne Uni really using those 45s well to open up the field. In fact, it's been a, a fantastic game. We spoke earlier about the, about the style of game down here. These two teams have really opened it up, which is re- it's, it's good footy to watch. You know, you're getting much better skills. There's not a lot of congested ball. It's open, so those stoppages. So they're really starting to to play really good footy. It was interesting, Daisy Bateman's effect on, on playing up on the wing. As LJ uh, mentioned earlier before the game, she's had a really good impact sort of floating across that halfback and being and also you know being dangerous being able to run forward and also collected along half forward being really dangerous forward as young Daisy is 
Um, you know, it's the, at the other end, Daniel Ponter, another Danielle Ponter, sorry, another young player has had to come up the field to get her possession. So a couple of her possessions have, have been up right in the middle of the ground, or you know, really leading up for Stevie Lee and others to deliver outside of that 50 range. And we all know that Danielle Ponter is most dangerous inside 20. And if you put her inside the square, well, it's all over Red Rover. So, so that's been good. Stevie Lee and, and um, Van Hagen have been excellent in their defensive rebound. Um, you know. Uh, uh, Christy Irvine really just has to hit targets. She's taken those marks and done all the hard work and then sort of yipped up the kick and all of a sudden it's turnover, it's sailing back over her head, which is, you know, which is always hard as a, as a defender. So it's been really good. As I said, uh, it's nice and open. The skills are great, good. You know, Melbourne Uni probably just a little bit more polished. Um, you know, and, and NT Thunder probably just need to get a little to cover off a bit more quicker. When there's a turnover, they're still z- sort of zoning, and when you've got a elite ball moving team like the Muggers um, and their and their experience, you really have to play that one on one when you need to do it. So, yeah, so it's been good. Carney and, and, and Bruton have probably been as the smalls have probably been the most um, effective, and Abitangelo has been everywhere and really worked hard up and down the field. So for a forward, that's fantastic. We'll take this opportunity to take a very quick break. You're listening to RSN Carnival 2, WARFradio.com and the VFL app. It is Melbourne Uni 1410, NT Thunder, one behind at quarter time. Daniel Hufford leads the Breakfast Club. Monday mornings, Rodney E joins the Breakfast Club reviewing all the weekend's footy. Rodney E, he's the Monday analyst. Back this Monday morning from 7 to 8 on RSN 927's Breakfast Club. Winter has really set in. Time for hot drinks, warm soups, a relaxing bath and cranking up the heater. Did you know that all these things present a burn hazard for children? In fact, 79% of burns happen in the home. Visit kidsafe.com.au to download the free burn safety checklist and get some essential tips for keeping kids safe in your home. And remember, when a burn occurs, apply cool running water for at least 20 minutes. No oil, butter, ointments or ice. Always seek medical advice if the burn is larger than 3 centimetres. If you love the caravan lifestyle, you want to keep your camper, pop-top or caravan in top condition. So head to the Bayswater Jayco Service Division. The workshop team are experts in servicing and repairs, including warranty and insurance work. And they can fit your new Bayswater Jayco accessories too. Why not book in for a service today and be ready for the road with Bayswater Jayco. Canterbury Road, Bayswater and at bayswaterjayco.com.au. No matter what your age, most of us played sport when we were young. And there was always one thing that made you want to disappear into a corner or even give up your chosen sport. And that was when somebody on the sideline hurled abuse at either you or a teammate. These are the moments that make sport painful for so many kids. And the time has come to stop it. I'm Elise Perry from the Southern Stars and my message is simple. Let kids be kids. Let them enjoy their sport without interference. Google Play by the Rules to find out more. Nothing but netball. Welcome to the Inner Circle. This is Sherelle McMahon inviting you to netball's own podcast. Sherelle and Bianca Chatfield, superstars of the game, invite you into the Inner Circle. He thinks outside the square, which I think is great. Talking 100% about the game they love. We're making a fresh edition every Wednesday, so come and join us in the Inner Circle. Fans of netball are not going to dub netball because they suddenly like them cricket or because they suddenly are following Ash Barty. On iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and at all your regular podcast places. She was right up in my face getting ready to do a spin-off and flick me in the face with her brain. Start on the podcast page at rsn.net.au. I don't even know what came over I just, like, gave her a little peck on the cheek. <laughs> RSN Carnival 2. It's the VFL. 
Press in Carnival 2, WARFradio.com and the VFL app. This is the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Match of the Day. The final game of the home and away season. If Melbourne Uni win, they're in the finals and the Hawks are out. If Melbourne Uni lose to the NT Thunder, the Hawks go into the finals. Melbourne Uni won 4-10, leading the NT Thunder one behind as we're just about ready to get the second quarter underway. Crowd just coming off the ground. A very healthy crowd, which I think's built up to about 350 by my rough estimate. It's been excellent to see because it's been a beautiful uh, Sunday afternoon out here at Arden Street Oval and to get us underway for this second term is Lucy Watkin. So siren sounds for the second quarter here at Arden Street. It's Saad and Kuzak in the ruck. Saad got it straight down to Carney. Carney got a high up and under kick towards the broadcast wing. Bounced over the head of Daisy Bateman and coming through was Denny Van Hagen. Got the twist around out of the contest. A handball though defensively back wasn't great and Riddell wrapped up her opponent. Somehow the ball got out to Alice. Alice, her handball though went to Gillespie Jones who went back to Saad. Her kick was smothered by Janet Baird of NT Thunder. She got the handball back to Killian and Killian got a kick up the middle to Thompson Thompson took the mark but elected to play on got the kick around the body to the 50 high ball couldn't take the mark Roberts she scraps for the footy handball back to Streeter Streeter gets a handball looking for Riley but it's tapped away by Ebb out to the outside wing now Thompson gets the ball back in Alice couldn't take the mark into the hands of Nicole Julian. She stripped the footy and then T Thunder go inside 50, getting closer to goal. In there, harassing his heart, Aluni. She gets a strong tackle and will have a ball up about 30 metres from the NT Thunder goal. And that's where the umpire will just set himself, look for the nominated rucks, and we'll get going again. Away we go. One out by the Thunder, only as far as Carney, immediately wrapped up. Umpire says going nowhere. Ball up, being tackled there by Hart Aluni. Taylor Hart Aluni, the 23rd player for the NT Thunder today. As doing the ruck work here is Deegan. Sit down. Was being one armed there was Michelle Ellis. Hurry kick by the Muggers out of the pack towards Vivian Saad, if she can get the football, wrapping up Streeter there. In fact, it was Nicole Julian, rather, wrapping up Streeter close towards the boundary line and will call for a ball up. Early impressions on this second term from Nicole Graves. Yeah, it's an interesting, isn't it? I think NT just need to be a little bit patient with their disposals. They've been covered off. Yeah, their two sort of um, forwards have really been covered off straight away by Melbourne Uni. They're just playing one-on-one on those two deep forwards. So there's no use rushing it in because they're already covered off. It's not like they're getting the quick break. So they really just have to wait and hit targets. And they've got some beautiful marking forwards of Thunder. So really got to be patient in that sort of hitting those inside 30s as we've talked about before. Up back flank is Riddell, hand passed over to Gillespie Jones, who hand passed sideways, and now they move it up the line, the Muggers. Only getting far, though, is Morgan Johnson, who made a heck of a contest there, one-on-one, and sees the football over the boundary line and out of bounds. We'll have a throw-in just between centre wing and the half-forward flank for the Thunder. They're attacking to the left of your radio dial. So umpire sets himself for the throw-in. Comes in at Saad versus Kuzak. Saad won the tap down looking for Carney. Bard just slapped it forward into that path of Kuzak. She couldn't get clean possession in there. Was it Gillespie Jones with the tackle? The ball comes out towards Bard. She got a kick around the body, but it didn't go very far. Picked up on the bounce there by Gillespie Jones into the hands of Johnston of NT. Just have a ball up the right half flank for NT Julian getting into a bit of push and shove there with Michaelia Roberts umpire 
thought the ball sad. Got the tap down to Riddell. Riddell to Runnels. Runnels goes inboard. She was looking for Carney, but the mark was taken by Jeffrey of the Northern Territory Thunder. She goes inboard looking for Thompson, but it's picked off by Jess Duffin of the Muggers. It's probably her third or fourth intercept mark already in the second quarter, Duffin. She goes long to the outside wing looking for Gillespie Jones. Gillespie Jones dropped the chest mark and it's going to be taken away by the NT Thunder. Thompson got a handball away to Johnson who went in board and there's another intercept mark by Jess Duffin. So Duffin won the late inclusions into today's side along with Brittany Gibson. Alex to run one way, then run the other to try and get around her opponent there in Michelle Alice. Finds Kate Gillespie Jones. Just outside the half-back flank in front of the scoreboard. Swings around now on the right boot, looking for Bruton to run under the football. But it bounces away from her. And last disposal rule means it's out-of-bounds free kick to the NT Thunder. Let's get some thoughts from Coach Kiwi. Yeah, I think um, they're making Duffin look a little bit good down there with a couple of easy balls into her. Their, their decision-making isn't terribly bad, but the execution is. They're you know, lowering their eyes and trying to pick off the leads coming out in the 50, but um, just not hitting them. Um, and he's certainly hitting them to any advantage away from Duffin either. Janet Baird slipped as she kicked, got it eventually to Van Hagen, and Van Hagen went long up the line, was trying to find Harder Looney, but it got away from her. And Melbourne Uni are going to clean up here on the halfback flank. Going backwards here is Kim Ebb. Walks for the 1 2. That's a dodgy hand pass over the top. Now an opportunity for the Thunder. Riley kicks around the corner, wants to square it up. Guess who again? 1 2 by the Jerry Duffin. The umpire says this pump was touched. And therefore they'll call for a ball up. Stevie Lee Thompson jumping in there. And all reset play about 40 metres out from the NT Thunder goal. So almost five minutes gone in the quarter. No score by either team yet. Tap down line by the NT. Keegan had to rove her own kick. Streeter got a kick away towards goal, but it's bounced over the boundary line and we'll have a throw-in. We should have a throw-in because it bounced over the line, did it? Or was it out on the full? Must have been out on the full. Must have been out on the full. So Grierson, she plays across goal looking for Ebb. Ebb drops the mark coming in his heart, Looney. She couldn't pick up the ball cleanly. Ebb lay a strong tackle. She couldn't She wouldn't let Harder Looney get away that easily. And it's all wrapped up. But clearing now is a Riddell. Riddell kick around the body, was looking for Abitangelo. She couldn't spoil and Riley ends up with it on the half forward flank. Her kick was perfect into the path of Stevie Lee Thompson, who just marks it on her chest. And she's about 45 metres from goal. 40 metres from goal. Not much of an angle, Stevie Lee Thompson. Leading goal kicker in the most recent AFLW season. Comes forward for her shot. Puts it on its way. It's good kick. Won't make the distance. And it's taken over the line by Jess Duffin. Let's get some thoughts on the Cole Graves. Yeah, listen, really influential, Stevie Lee and uh, and Sally Riley. And I've really liked how Letitia Jeffries got into the game. She's had some really important rebound um, rebound uh, possessions, getting it back inside Fishby, which has been fantastic for a young player. As another flying shot on goal by the NT Thunder by Stevie Lee Thompson again is away to the left and will register as another minor score. So three behinds the NT Thunder. Melbourne Uni, one for ten. Six and a half minutes gone here in this 
second term. It is giving Hawthorne some hope as Duffin now kicks along from the halfback flank, looking for Kate Gillespie. Jones too strong, too tall. Beats out two, including Baird and Streeter. And now she wants to come a little more inboard with the kick, but from behind, a mark taken there by Killian, who likes to play on quickly over the head there, Stevie Lee Thompson. Easy mark for Jenna Bruton. Bruton decides to go for a switch, finds Jess Trent. Jess Trent at true centre half back. Goes for the hand pass, releases Emma Carney. Carney now on the right boot, looking for and finding Daisy Bateman. Bateman on the wing, broadcast side. Goes back behind the player on the mark, wants to calm the inboard. It's a bit of zigzag football at the moment. Calls the mark, Abitangelo now goes up the line. That's good. Angelus now with the football between centre and centre half forward. This is good movement at the football. Goes to the danger spot, 30 metres out from goal. Commentators curse. As soon as you say good movement of the football, it's an interception. And it's taken away there by Jordan Hickey. Hickey now working it wide for the player to run on to. And Johnson now comes back, trying to find the player there. Uh, was intercepted by Abitangelo. He now works up the line and wants the one-two back. Abitangelo at the half-forward flank. Awkward bouncing ball now for Gibson inside 50. Gibson got to turn Streeter inside out. Streeter lost her feet at the crucial moment. Gibson had to try and bend over and pick it up. Her hand pass out was awkward, but the ball spun around back to her. Got it back again, went for a hand pass. Her teammate immediately caught, almost thrown into the ground with that tackle. Thunder will try and come out of defence. One step and a kick there by Rhiannon Bush. And her intended target drops the ball at true centre half back while under pressure. That was Stevie Lee Thompson. Goes to the kick off the carpet. Bruton comes by to try and do the running, but they come away with it through Michelle Ellis. Ellis now trying to find Riley. Bounced away from her. McCartney Roberts makes a crack at the football here. They're all over the top of her. Ball in dispute on centre wing out of side. Umpire says it's time for a ball up and that's exactly what we'll have. Coach Kiwi. Yeah, look, uh, this is a cracking game, isn't it? It's, um, you know, he spent most of the time in the forward 50 for Thunder and now it's gone down to Muggers. But um, if, if Gibson had got her hands on it clean the first um, time it came near, I think she would have um, put it away. But you know, solid effort. She made, you know, three follow-up attempts to keep that ball moving forward. So the Muggers work it up centre wing towards their forward 50. Runnels kick up the line was looking for Abitangelo. She overran it and was tackled by Jordan Hickey. So we'll have another ball up. Attacking side for the Muggers. Saad won it down to Gillespie Jones. She got it back to Brutton. Brutton with a spear and kick inside 50, looking for Angelus. Couldn't find her, and Johnston will clear it up. Her kick into the centre of the ground was finding Miskin repair, but she couldn't get clean possession. And the umpire says that the player in Courtney Daniak was held. And because they didn't get to give it back to Courtney on the first go, it will be a 50, which will bring Courtney Daniak inside 50 for the Muggers. Yeah, really disappointing, isn't it? NT, Th- NT Thunder, would, would you believe it's 10 inside 50s to one? This is obviously then the second one coming in with a, with a 50. So be really disappointing, wouldn't it, after all that effort to get a couple of points and these guys go the other way. A 50, uh, and, uh, yeah, a stupid 50-metre penalty. And, and, you know, if they get this goal, it's, it'd be disappointing. Danny Ack directly in front puts the ball on its way it and it's and straight it over the goal umpire's hat for the Muggers' second goal. It's... 2-6-16 to the Muggers. 0-3-3. Ten minutes gone in the second quarter. Kiwi, to me, it looked like NT Thunder thought that it was a free kick going that way. That's why they gave it to their yeah, player. I actually um, thought he was a little delayed and when he blew the whistle when they, um, they they were holding a player off the ball without possession is what the free was for. Um, but the ball travelled to three people before it, the whistle came. So... Um, no doubt, probably some confusion down there. I don't think they deliberately threw it to the wrong person. They probably weren't sure 
where it was going. But yeah, it's a solid penalty. They've been, you know, it's it's hit them hard on the scoreboard now. And as Nick said, they needed to get some score when they had possession down that end, and they haven't. Brunton tries to get the ball out of the middle here, gets across to Caitlin Cox, who went for the don't argue, then to Gillespie Jones, and two Ooh. besieged her immediately. The umpire says Lucky. that's a ball up. Lucky indeed. Any other day of the week, take a few steps, get caught by two players. That's hot potato, you're gone. As we throw the ball up in the air, brought it down by Saad. Abitangelo, is that a headband? It's a very interesting headband she's sporting there, very 70s. Trying to get the hand pass out. Now the kick by the Muggers. Almost intercepted there by Hickey, who dropped it and got it back again. Jordan Hickey hitting towards a pack of Muggers in the middle of the ground. And under pressure, they've dropped the football. But somehow they squeeze it out to Bruton. Bruton now goes inside 50 with the kick ball got away from them. Turning around while getting pulled down was Byers. Her kick nearly brought down Rain, but managed to find Dominic Carbone. So Carbone with the footy is being told to go towards the wider side of the ground taking a mark there and releasing the player was Baird who got it to Duggan who went up the line to Michaelia Roberts who took it at centre wing spun around on the left going in the dangerous direction of Jess Duffin where you don't want to go but she's outpointed by Ponter on that occasion goes the 2 on one inside 50 numbers back there by Grierson who read it best Grierson for the Muggers got the ball away and they'll come out of defence sweating that one going in there putting her head over the football Alicia King oh, for a crack at it got around one got caught by the second ball cry the crowd that one is not paid tackle laid on by Biscuit Rapina got it across the Ponta. Ponta put it to a dangerous spot. 25 metres out. Stevie Lee Thompson dropped it. Trying to get on the boot. He comes up at the last second. She's pushed off the football. Thompson wants to go back in it for another crack. Watching on here is Cusack. Umpire blows the whistle and will call for a ball up. 20 metres out from goal. Nicole Graves. It's a bit disappointing. Stevie Lee will be kicking herself there. She's uh, she's just dropped a bit of a centre at, at half back and now deep in forward. But it's probably leather poisoning because she has had a heap of the footy. Kuzak won the tap down towards the boundary. Greason got the ball on the bounce and will happily run it over for a boundary throw. Inside 50 for the NT Thunder. Umpire takes his time with the throw in. Gets it in. Gibson versus Kuzak. Kuzak got the ball down. Ponta got possession but was tackled by three muggers. Came out to Gibson. Her handball to Grierson just over her head into the path of King. King couldn't get it out so Streeter of the NT Thunder puts it into the hot spot. Duffin's in pursuit. So is Stevie Lee Thompson. Duffin gets a handball to Moore. It's over the boundary line and we'll have another throw in. That's where we'll reset play just next to that right hand point post. Opportunity here for the NT Thunder to get their first goal of the game at the 13 and a half minute mark of this second term. Ball gets thrown wide in. Both rucks miss it. Gibson trying to get a hurry kick away. Picked off here by Duggan who goes for an awkward snap. Trying to trap it at her feet here was Duffin. Still manages to have enough time to pick the football up and go the hand pass back. The King has got to weave around. Gets out of trouble. Oh! Oh, the goal square! Hot potato! Holly Whitford, you are gone. Just looking over in the muggers, coaches' boxes that happened and was hands on heads of every single coach when that happened. It is always the way, isn't it? And listen, you know, you know, let's let's uh, depending on the score, you don't mind having in Danielle Ponta's hands, let me tell you. And coming in, Danielle Ponta goes bang. NT Thunder, one three nine, Melbourne Uni, two four sixteen, fourteen minutes gone here in the second quarter. Finally some reward for effort for the Thunder coach Kiwi. Yeah, finally, um, you know, from the free. And, you know, potentially when they handball that back end, 
there, there was going to be a switch by the looks of it, but she just held the ball too long. And, um, you know, for NT, they needed to get some score, and, you know, whether it was something simple with the free kick or, um, um, you know, their, the work that they're doing in there, you, you kind of felt something was coming. They're um, showing a bit of flair. There's some outside of the foot kicks coming through and some, you know, down low. And, um, you know, they're playing some interesting football. So Dean got the tap down and it was just ran out to bed on the outer wing. Her kick wasn't finding anyone in particular, was out into space. King is there for the Muggers. Roberts for the NT Thunder. Roberts hassles King out of it and gets a kick away. Inside 50 for the NT. Duffin gets the ball down to ground level. Sard on her hands and knees on the 50. Got a handball away. So it's going to clear into the centre of the ground by the Muggers, but only as far as Carbone of the NT Thunder. She gets it back inside 50, looking for Riley. Went over her head into the hands of Saad. Riley was there to apply the tackle. And now there's been a high tackle on Danielle Ponta. Just a minute after scoring the first goal of the game, it looks like she's going to go back and try for another for the NT Thunder. See, this isn't. This is a situation where I think it might be just beyond her reach. Where you'd like someone like an Irvine right on the goal switch, a mm. big solid player who can either clear the way for the ball to go through, or at least take a strong grab. So forty meters out, Ponta almost directly in front. The kick might make the distance. Oh. No. And again, that goes back to it, it doesn't it, uh, Nicole? Having someone like Irvine who might not even take the mark, but at least body out one of those players. Yeah, you certainly need. <laughs> I'd be turning around going, uh, I'd like an Emma King down there, standing down with her big arms, you know, six foot two arms, standing above it. Yeah, just wanted just falling on the line. But again, you know, they're beautiful footballers, these guys, and they're just just skipping it. But yeah. that metre less. Duffin going to Gibson at the halfback flank. Gets the hurry up from the umpire. Gibson now going long towards the centre wing, looking for Abitanjo. A little nudge there. Play on because the umpire to the mark. Gave off the hand pass quickly. Having to back back with a uh, hurried hand pass there. Runnels coming back in board. Only to be intercepted. Running into trouble, Rachel Killian. Had to get rid of the hand pass. Riddell there to receive if they can find her for Melbourne Uni. Does, but Bacalia Roberts. Great work there with the smothering. Trying to get a kick is Carbone. Does so. Finds Stevie Lee Thompson at full stretch. Stevie Lee Thompson marks 48 metres out from goal. Goes for a wide kick to Ponta. Why not have another crack at goal? Danielle Ponta will be having a third shot at goal with 1-1 so far. Yeah, Ponta and Stevie Lee really do just know where each other are, uh, do they? It's, it's, uh, yeah, you can keep saying it. And as I said, both beautiful shots at goal, but both beautiful skills and read the play nicely. Ponta lets it ride. It will go towards the top of the square. Duffin goes for the fist. It doesn't go over the line. It stays in the goal square. There's a mad scramble, and it will be seen through for a minor score. 1-5-11, the NT Thunder, Melbourne Uni 2-4-16. Coach Kiwi, we've got a ball game. Yeah, we do, and it's pretty exciting uh, for all the for the huge crowd that's turned out in the sunshine. So the kick went into the pocket to Riddell, who went long for Caitlin Cox. She got a handball to Carney. Carney almost handballed it, elected to try and run on. Her handball looking over the top to Bateman was picked off by Van Hagen, who went to Riley. Riley went out wide again to Carbone, but Carbone's handball inside was picked off by Gibson. Gibson was trying to find Riddell, but it's all now in this mad scramble on the edge of the square on the broadcast position. Just a little kick forward, found Cox. Cox was handballing inside to Van Hagen, and Van Hagen was taken high by Holly Whitford. So Van Hagen with the free kick goes across, looking for Thompson. Thompson was spoiled, 
and it's in the centre of the ground in a mad scramble. Killian, she got the ball out to Thompson. Thompson got a handball along the carpet looking for Van Hagen. And Abitangelo was there for the Muggers to apply some pressure and we'll have a ball up. Just forward of the centre square for the NT Thunder in the middle of the ground. Saad and Deegan go for it. Saad over the top, but only found Bard. Bard went wide to right half forward. Get there was Alice. Alice got the ball, ran inside 50, pops it on the right, over the head of Ponta towards the goal. <laughs> and it's gone for a goal. Michelle Alice just with the lucky kick over the top of Danielle Ponta's head and it bounced through for a goal. And the NT Thunder hit the lead. Thoughts, Coach Kiwi? Yeah, look, you, you knew that there was going to be something coming and, um, yeah, that's probably what they should have done a few times. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we talked about earlier the game, it was sort of one, side, you know, two inside 50s to 10 and with no reward, you know, Melbourne Uni got a goal for that and, and uh, NT Thunder a point. But now you're just starting to turn around. They've really persisted, which is really exciting. It's now, yeah, inside 50s, 15 to 4. So they're really dominating the game and getting those couple of goals and hitting the front's going to be you know, great for their confidence. As the ball is thrown up in the middle of the ground, one point lead to the NT Thunder. It's the moment the Hawks are sitting in the final six. Here's the hurry kick looking for Abitangelo to the half forward bounced off her hands hair pass over the top to Caitlin Cox got to do some dancing gets a hurry kick going to kick the kick away is Jordan Hickey five seconds to go before the halftime siren trying to get the football there is Van Hagen gets a long kick away and the halftime siren has sounded which means we technically have a ball game and that from that point if lightning or something was that to have happened at any point from this point onwards that is a full-time score so as it sits with a half to play NT Thunder lead by a point Hawthorne currently sit in the sixth Melbourne Uni a seventh coach Kiwi let that soak in yeah, look, how exciting is that? And, um, you know, I think around the field, they're pretty evenly matched up at the moment. And, you know, both teams, when they get that space, they um, have some good skills and they get clean out wide. They take it forward. They're just both um, probably not being so clean getting it inside their own 50s. But um, having said that, I think we've, you know, had a, had a game of two halves already with um, Muggers dominating the, the end of the ground in the first quarter and um, probably not getting as many of the goals as they probably should have um, and then NT taking it to them in the second quarter and um, you know as Nick said this you know will give some definite confidence to them uh, coming back for the second half of the game that they're now in front um, even if it's by a point they've had most of the possession of that game and most of it up inside their 50 so um, yep this is a good game. They get applause as they uh, come off the ground as I go to Nicole Graves um, let me throw this at you in my thoughts, I thought maybe the Thunder probably deserved to be maybe one more goal ahead. A, if Stevie Lee Thompson had kicked more accurately on one of the earlier t- uh, chances, and B, if they didn't give away or the confusion from that silly 350. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I suppose early in the corner when when um, the NT Thunder just had so much ball in the 50 and it was coming in, my question was, who the hell is on Jess Duffin? Because her intercept marking was fantastic. And trust me, um, being involved at different levels of the game, that's a lot of my question, who the hell is on Jeff, <laughs> Jess Duffin? So, yeah, Jess seems to be able to find that space. Um, but as I said, the deeper they got it um, with ball in hand rather than just sort of spraying it away, the more dangerous they were. And, and then they don't let the likes of Jess, uh, Jess get into the game like that. So that was really good. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? They're probably a little bit unlucky, but... Um, 
you know, plenty of the footy, but it gives them that, that real confidence. And you wonder, well, that's definitely been the scoring end. Although, you know, I haven't got a wind sock. I, I missed my wind sock. I don't know which way it's going, but that's definitely been the scoring end for that. Melbourne Uni probably just exiting D50 and just overusing it. You know, they're probably just being a bit fancy. And if, you know, uh, people may not speak to me again after this, but that's probably what they did a little bit in the AFLW season in some of those games, just overused it a bit. Um, and we know how skillful they are and how good they can be, but they probably just need to be a bit more direct um, so that they can actually get allow their runners to get onto the footy in front of it. So it's been really impressive. The, the difference really in that quarter was the fact of um, two really young, um, exciting players that we hope that we'll be seeing play a lot more footy in young Janet Baird and Michaela Roberts. I think those two young players, um, this is what we're talking about, the NT yeah, yeah. and the development of those young, um, particularly those young Aboriginal players, they've been fantastic around the stoppages and as both really small frames but as brave as you like. And then when you've got Ponter, the likes of Ponter and Stevie Lee with that experience um, in playing with each other in, you know, in summer and winter, uh, just sort of finishing it off better in, in the attacking 50 than probably that first quarter. So that's probably been the difference as those two young small players have had a real influence in this second quarter. And I guess the positive for them is the scoring end has been to the left of our radio dial, the northern end of the ground. They'll have that in the final quarter and being the final game of the season, no doubt Heidi Townsend will just probably take the leash off and just go run, just mm. run. Yeah, and you can see them, you can see that Heidi obviously had some of those, or their coaches, the coaching team certainly had some conversation about their ball use because that really cleaned up in terms of we're sort of saying they weren't hitting targets and stuff in that first quarter but they were hitting targets in this time and they weren't rushing and all of a sudden it started to you know give their forwards some real play and when the ball's in, in your you're attacking half of the ground all of a sudden your players are down there and that's what was happening in the first quarter when Melbourne Uni was you know it was on fire as it really stretched um, NT Thunder across the you know right down the ground which means they didn't have a lot of forward potency when they got the ball forward. Let's get some goal kickers at halftime. Lucy Watkin. Sophie Abitangelo and Courtney Dayanik are the two goal scorers for the Melbourne Uni while Michelle Alice and Danielle Ponta hit the scoreboard for the NT Thunder. It's the NT leading 2-5-17 to Melbourne Uni 2-4-16 at halftime. Another massive week on The Breakfast Club. It's great to have your company. If you missed any of the good stuff, here's a snippet of what we did. Pat Cannon, he's got a good pan today at Ballarat. Any snow in your world at the moment, Pat? Well, at the moment, half I'm sitting in Phuket, so who knows? Him <laughs> <laughs> and White discuss the second test in the Asia so far and what it might mean going forward. Archer, you know, produces 96 mile an hour in a spell. What's it like facing? The thing about his bowling, it's obviously quick, but he's very tall and releases it from a very high point, so it's very steep as well, which is probably the most nastiest thing about the whole thing. Blake Crows after their performance against Collingwood on the weekend at the Adelaide Oval of all places with a final spot on the line. 66 points was the margin to the travelling team. Bryce Gibbs was out there living it. How did you feel when the siren rang? Just trying to understand how it happened. With so much on the line, on our home deck, in front of our own fans, with finals on the line, to dish up what we did, it's just frustrating. Western Bulldogs, Marcus Bontempelli, the champ. We've got to win. I think that's been yes, our... Very important. Yeah, we've, we've, our mentality since the bye little bit has just been to look for opportunities to obviously capitalise on momentum. Obviously being able to protect that momentum is an important one for a young group. Fremantle, new coaching structure will be taking place after yesterday they announced that Ross Lyon would no longer be the coach. One man who knows Ross better than most is Brendan Goddard. I know he's always said that he's not a career coach, 
So whether he still stays in the footy bubble and goes down that coach's coach role or a football manager or a leadership role within footy clubs, but still got too much to offer in, in my opinion. So it'd be naive and silly just for clubs not to just at least have a chat to him and see where he's at. It's nice to have Dylan Shield with us from the Bombers. Wish a cop yeah. it for, you know, being asleep and not paying any attention against the Bulldogs. <laughs> Did he go up a level? I think that's really unfair on Wush because he's pretty consistent regardless of the result. They heard the commentary and I thought it was unfair. <laughs> Jordan Lewis, he's had a good chance to say goodbye this week. He gets ready for that last game. Four flags, there'd be many highlights. Have you got one that's a bit off-centre? I always say the prelim final 2013, just because of the history that we had with Geelong and for us to be down at three-quarter time and come back and win that game. It was a whole range of emotions and I suppose the biggest one was relief. The Breakfast Club, 6 till 8.30 weekdays on RSN 927. Thanks to the tab. If you've had something stolen... Or if you've had property damaged, you need the police, not the sirens. If you've lost something or found something valuable. Or if you want to register a party or let us know you're going away on holiday, you need the police, not the sirens. When you need the police, but not the sirens, you can now report these incidents online at police.vic.gov.au or call 131444. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. Hi, I'm Frances Peters Little, daughter of legendary singer Jimmy Little. My dad was just like everyone else with chronic kidney disease. He fought it hard for years, but eventually it took his life. My dad would want you to know that kidney disease affects about 60,000 of our mob, but worse still, 9 out of 10 people don't even know they have it. So, even if you don't think you have any health issues, do yourself and your family a favour and ask your doctor or local AMS to check your kidneys. The winter issue of Ladies in Racing magazine is out now with Winx on the cover. Inside, an eight-page Winx special packed with stories and photos. Plus, stories on the Wakeful Club's Lady of Racing, jockey Christine Pauls, Jamie Carr, and Harness Racing's fearless Reigns women. Ladies in Racing, for those who love the glamour and stories of females in racing. Six issues, starting with the winter edition for only $59, including postage in Australia. Call 1300 783 112 or see ladiesinracingmagazine.com.au. The verdict. I'm with Michael. I think Mystic Journey. I'm not really au fait so much with the uh, Shark. Very few horses win seven straight. As a three-year-old, she beat the older Gallopers, well, and that was a top quality I think race. When you haven't got a was. mega star like wins, I think what you do is you, it heightens your interest in the three-year-olds. The verdict, 9 till 10, Monday mornings. Part of Monday's Racing on RSN 927 we can't help it, and we're just like you in every other way. So visit Tourette.org.au. Your club, Craigie Burns Sporting Club. The Sporty is now your prime function venue. The breathtaking new function room is now open. Already it's hosted wedding receptions, engagement parties, christenings, birthdays and seminars. Up to 300 guests. And the reviews have been awesome. Why not make an appointment with the Sporty Function team to plan your special occasion? Craigie Burns' best functions are now happening at the Sporty. Craigie Burns Sporting Club. Find out more at craigieburnsc.com.au.
We go round Victoria for RSN 927's Country Notice Board. It's your statewide heads up on the best racing experiences in all three codes. Andrew Q's whips around Victoria for Country Notice Board. Tuesday mornings at 10 and later on podcast. If you love the caravan lifestyle, you want to keep your camper, pop-top or caravan in top condition. So head to the Bayswater Jayco Service Division. The workshop team are experts in servicing and repairs, including warranty and insurance work. And they can fit your new Bayswater Jayco accessories too. Why not book in for a service today and be ready for the road with Bayswater Jayco. Bayswater Jayco. Canterbury Road, Bayswater and at bayswaterjayco.com.au can talk with Father Gerard Dowling. Welcome to the Family Council Program. It's great to be with you wherever you are. We all need a helping hand. It's always great to come in here, spend these two hours with you as you listen. And a friendly voice is just a phone call away. Ian's on the line. Hi, Gerard. The Family Councillor Program. We all need someone to talk to. Sunday nights from 10. Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. On RSN 927. Presented by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. The smell of baking. Routley's Bakery is so good. Why not grab a Routley's slice to go with your coffee? Make it a classic apple slice, a bee sting, or a vanilla slice. That's absolute custard heaven. You can make a move on a muffin or go all the way and bite into a wicked Nutella donut. Routley's Bakery's right across Geelong, as well as Eltona, Newport, Williamstown, and Ascot Vale. Fancy a Routley's pie? Of course you do. Winter has really set in. Time for hot drinks, warm soups, a relaxing bath and cranking up the heater. Did you know that all these things present a burn hazard for children? In fact, 79% of burns happen in the home. Visit kidsafe.com.au to download the free burn safety checklist and get some essential tips for keeping kids safe in your home. And remember, when a burn occurs, apply cool running water for at least 20 minutes. No oil, butter, ointments or ice. Always seek medical advice if the burn is larger than 3 centimetres. RSN Carnival 2. It's women's Aussie rules are doing what they love. The faster talk, don't mess with them because they can get rough. Are you ready for the challenge? Are you ready for the match? It's the call of the game. It's the VFL Women's Match of the Day. On RSN Carnival. It's the VFL Women's Match On RSN Carnival 2, WARFradio.com, the VFL app and the jingle currently playing in Lucy Watkins' head. This is the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Match of the Day. It is the final game of the home and away season. Both sides are coming back out on the ground to begin the second half. At halftime, we are facing a possible boil over. NT Thunder 2-5-17 lead Melbourne Uni by one Point two four sixteen. This means, as it sits, if NT Thunder hang on to win, Melbourne Uni stay seventh and miss out on the finals. The Hawks survive. That's the reigning premiers. If Melbourne Uni turn the tables and come away with the victory, Melbourne Uni go to sixth, Hawthorne go to seventh, and the reigning premiers are denied their opportunity to defend their title in the final series. Peter Holden, Nicole Grace, Lucy Watkin, and Lisa Kiwi Roper here with you. Lucy, you can just feel the tension in the air. 
You can. And it's been interesting because we were just saying all of the scoring opportunities have been to the sort of left of your radio dial, but there's not much of a wind here at Arden Street. And it's a really good, nice ground and surface. So you'd think that maybe Melbourne Uni took their foot off the pedal a little bit in that second quarter. But also it was five scoring shots to one in the first quarter to Melbourne Uni and then five scoring shots to one to Northern Territory in the second quarter. So maybe there is something down that left end that we, we don't know. We haven't been out on the field. But you'd think if NT Thunder start this second half strongly, it's going to be really hard for Melbourne Uni to get back into it. Lisa Kiwi Roper. Let's imagine you're Scott Gowans for a moment. You're Melbourne Uni. This is a game. You have to win it. Simple. You have to win it to make yep. the finals. What are you like with the players at this stage? Are you cool? Your thumb? Are you methodical? Or is it a case of does emotion have to take over? Or maybe at three-quarter time it has to take over of this is urgent. We're not messing around here. We've got to win. Yeah, I'd probably um, actually go back to your key kind of more experienced players and the Emma Carneys and, um, and Brute well, and that. Like, sorry to interrupt. We did see Carney just at the halftime break bring all of the girls into a huddle before they left the ground. So she's obviously given a message yeah. up as well. So, yeah, and, and she's an experienced player. So she knows how much, you know, this means and what they've got to do. And, you know, I just think, you know, right now they're all so far, they probably um, haven't dominated the midfield as they perhaps could have yeah. or should have with the experience have got in there and so I'd be telling them to just you know they've got to get their hands on the footy and they've just you know got to start controlling it from that first possession and get the ball moving forward and you know if that's where it's breaking down then they've got to get some second third fourth efforts in there and fire the whole team up um, to get them moving because without a doubt I would say NT are going to come out and start this quarter um, at a cracking pace after the way they finished the last quarter so um, yeah I'd be getting around my senior players and telling them to um get the girls going to get us underway for the third quarter here's lucy watkin big second half coming here at arden street with sard winning the tap down overrunning was carney sard put a tackle on riley ball spilled out to riddell who was dispossessed brutton picked up the ball carney got it out who got a handball to brutton who got a handball to abitangelo they haven't moved far though the muggers they're still just next to the center circle we'll have another stoppage frantic start Deegan and Saad Saad one to Carney, Carney with the clearance bouncing ball towards right half forward, picked up by Gillespie Jones who just kicks around her body looking for Angelus, Angelus was dispossessed by Hickey, Angelus just paddling the ball, keeping it in front of herself she works it back to the right half forward and will have a throw in just 50 metres, 55 metres from the Muggers goal as we wait for the ball to be thrown back into play by the umpire, who just had to get it from over the fence, and now comes back again. Let's watch this contest of Saad versus Deegan. Back into play. Saad does the ruck, put it down the throat, trying to find the teammate in bed, got knocked away from her. Hurry kick by the Thunder across the face of defence at 50 metres out from their own goal. Kelly Roberts trying to get the football in front of herself, did a little cheeky kick along the ground, worked out to advantage. Oh, dancing around the circle here. Killian's gone to ground. Umpires there, got the hand pass out. Here come the Muggers now through Gillespie Jones. Gillespie Jones off the side of the boot, going to a dangerous hotspot, 25 metres out from goal. Angelus was in the middle of the pack. It got knocked away from her. Hurry kick away by Lisa Roberts, going close towards the boundary line. It's the Muggers all clean it up, though. The hand pass comes to Trent. Trent works it to Gillespie Jones. Gillespie Jones by hand over the head of Abitangelo, who got a good bounce. Abitangelo took it with her left and then went on her right to Angelus, who ran on and popped on the goal. 
Katie Angelis puts the muggers up. They go now to three goals for 22. The NT Thunder go to 2-7 because the scoreboard mucked up here. 2-5-17. Two, 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 thank you very much. Thank goodness you wrote it down because <laughs> the score tend to put the score on the wrong team there for a moment. Five-point lead to Melbourne Uni. Here's Nicole Graves. Yeah, it is an interesting. We probably didn't say uh, Kate Gillespie, Gillespie uh, Jones's name very often in that second quarter, but we have certainly in this third. So it shows the influence she can have, particularly getting that ball from, from uh, I guess, uh, just outside of 50, deep into the 50. So really dangerous. And again, Emma Carney and Bruton starting to have a bit more impact in this quarter as well. So Tapper over the top bobbled out to the defensive side of the square to Riddell. Riddell ran on and got a kick out wide to um, Runnels. Runnels with the paddle out in front of her backtracks, gets around her player goes short looking for Grierson but was over her head and chopped off by Killian of the NT Thunder, she goes long looking for Alice in the broadcast wing but chopped off by Bruton Bruton goes inboard to Carney, Carney holds it off, gets the handball off to Gibson, Gibson handball to Runnels just inside 50, got the 1-2 gets around a player, gets the don't argue but doesn't get the ball away, her handball picked off by Johnston who got a kick but only as far as Emma Carney. She's at centre-half forward for the Muggers. She goes short. Beautiful kick to Sophie Abitangelo. So some good ball movement there by the Muggers. We'll see Abitangelo line up for goal. 30 metres directly in front. I think she'd put this one through for the second goal in a minute. She puts it on its way. It's online, and it's a goal. Abitangelo gets the Muggers their fourth goal and they lead NT Thunder by 11 points after starting this third quarter from behind. So it's 4-4-28 to the NT Thunder 2-5-17. Must have been some rev up from Emma Carney. <laughs> it must have been. And, um, you know, the other thing I was thinking is, you know, probably inject Brick Gibson into the into the probably the midfield even. The way that she runs, she's just so solid with her ball use and um, I can see she's starting off the half-back line and maybe that's the tactic they're starting to use and have her run through, um, which led to that goal. You know, she took on three or four players as she as she kept with that ball going forward. So um, they're your players you want. You want your big, strong players starting to... Um, you know, use that ball and leg drive a little bit more through the contest. Riddell took it down the middle of the ground, gave it across to Carney, who went long trying to find Gillespie Jones, who had to defeat a defender, gave the hand pass to Bruton. Bruton got away from her defender and ran to 45 metres out of flying shot. A goal is away to the right. Minus score, Melbourne Uni 4-5-29, NT Thunder 2-5-17. Four and a half minutes gone here in the third quarter. All of a sudden, the pressure now being thrown back on the Thunder as they trail by two goals. Oh, they're missing it up, coming out of defence. Trying to get the ball in front of herself there is Lisa Roberts. will ask for it back on the one-two after originally being tackled. Then her kick on this occasion is Smother trying to pick it up with the carpet as Ponta gave up the hand pass. Hurry kick up the line, was trying to find Miskin Rapia, but it was taken instead by Jess Trend. Trend swung around on the right boot, goes towards the pack at 25 metres out. Came off to Grierson. Grierson spun around on the right. Bird trying to find Angelus. Front position by Irvine, who brings it to ground. Back jumps on the football, then it squeezes out. Going for the run and getting the kick. Jeffrey now kicks in towards the middle of the ground, trying to fly forward as Riley. Knocked away from her, but she goes back in for a second crack at it, thanks to Cusack shepherding work. Hurry kick away now by the Thunder, trying to find Michaelia Roberts. She's trying to hold the football up. Probably smart, because there's nothing really forward of her. Miska Rapian now works it sideways, managing to use the agency of Stevie Lee Thompson, who put on a clean pair of heels, and they're out the back of the 
make it, get it to Lachisha Jeffrey. Jeffrey picks it up, runs the 25 metres out from goal, and she gets it. Did oh, some work the goal umpire? He worked to the right, <laughs> and it's a one-goal ball game. NT Thunder three-five twenty-three, Melbourne Uni four-five twenty-nine. Coach Kiwi, how was that in the midfield? Just that little mm. burst of speed tucked yep. in on. You know, she stepped off her left foot, took her on the on the right side, and you know, wow. Yeah, and Michaela, uh, Michaela Roberts again, we talk about her influence, just to be able to hold the play up when there's nothing over the back, gave a little bit of time, just using her body and then just flicking it up and, and Stevie Lee giving it the, yeah, I'm going this way, yeah, just tricking. So just stepped inside and then getting it over the top and again we, we speak about some of those young players um, and that was just fantastic work and, and really great effort. So restart in the middle, Sard. Went through the hands of Brutton to Baird's hand. Brutton got the tackle on, dispossessed her, tried to get a handball away, only as far as Saad, who got it to Riddell, to Carney. Carney got the handball to Duffin. Duffin dropped the ball when she went to kick and got a handball to Carney. Almost thought she was taken high as Duffin sends the ball inside 50. She finds Angelus. Angelus handball looking for Cox. Cox was dragged off it, but the umpire says play on. Alice got the handball to Duggan, and Duggan will kick it out of 50, but it's picked off by Jess Trend at centre-half forward. Trend, she's looking for an option. She almost went to her left side, but she went to right-half forward and found Brutton, Jenna Brutton. Holding it up a bit, but she goes long inside 50. Kate Gillespie-Jones went over her head there to pick up the crumbs. Was Carney, and Carney was taken high by Janet Bard. So we'll have a free kick as Daisy Bateman comes in to fly the flag for her teammate a bit there. The umpire's just breaking it up while Carney goes back to take a shot. So she'll take it from 25 out, directly in front. Really gettable and and Emma Carney, beautiful kick of the footy. So Carney pops it on its way and it's straight through the middle and the muggers get another one back. 5-5-35 5-5-35 to the Thunder, 3-5-23, eight minutes gone in the third term. Lisa? Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't want Carney kicking a goal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you do if you're Melbourne Uni. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And it's been no, regular, hasn't yeah. it, Kiwi? I mean, we're starting to call, you know, Bruton, Carney, Gillespie-Jones, mm-hmm. Riddell, Gibson, Trend. You know, that's a very, fairly fam- uh, formidable uh, group of names, and they're really starting to step up. And that's, and that's what Emma Carney would have been talking, bringing the girls in, just, you know, talking about, um, you know, there's a bit of deja vu. It's in their hands. It's a bit of deja vu with their summer and winter season. It's in their hands, and they need to step up and, and deliver to get themselves into this final series. Umpire throws the ball up in the air, and away we go again. Sard wins out the tap, tries to go back in for a second crack at the ball. Picked up by Emma Carney, who gives off the hand pass. Juggling it there is Whitford. Whitford draws the player towards her. She gives away another hand pass to Abitangelo. Abitangelo got rid of her defender, kicked it inside 50. Over the head there, Gillespie Jones, who goes back in for a second crack at the football. She's fighting in hard for it. She's got two Thunder players all over her back. One of them was Hart Aluni, and the umpire says it's going nowhere in a ball up. Yeah, Emma Carney starting to fire up, and the worst thing is when she fires up... She starts to talk a bit more. <laughs> you don't want to be on the end of that. When Emma Carney starts giving lip and starts firing up the muggers. Hand pass comes out. 
Now taken away by Ponta. Ponta goes towards the wing position, going long for Bush to try and run onto. Got the kick away before being mown into the ground. Now picking it up there, Stevie Lee Thompson. Got rid of Walsh. Now kicked towards to Irvine, who's got no one behind her. Irvine draws the player towards her, goes to Riley. Riley goes for a little chip kick over the top. It's almost smart, but it just got away there by Harder Looney. Just too much of it. You saw what they were trying to do, and maybe they should have gone longer for home. Walsh is bumped <laughs> off the ball. No, pushing the back. Free kick. Cool. Almost, Stevie Lee. It was almost there. Walsh with the footy. Elects to play on from the back pocket. Going long. Trying to read it best there. Swallowing it, Janet Baird. So Baird attacking side of broadcast wing. The mark. Elects to go inside 50. It's only Muggers. Jess Trent just brought to ground instead of taking the mark. Duggan got a handball looking for Jeffrey. Jeffrey overran it into the hands of Irvine. Irvine twisted herself around a high up and under. Underneath it was Hart Alooney. She dropped the ball. It hit the ground. Irvine's there fighting for it. Went through her legs. In there, Gibson. Gibson couldn't get it free. Riddell's over the top. And the umpire comes in for a ball up. So it's only 20 metres from the NT Thunder goal now. They've had some opportunities, the NT. Deegan over the top, into the hands of Harder Looney. She was wrapped up immediately by Moore. Kick away, didn't go far, into the hands of Deegan. Deegan wrapped up by Carney, got a handball that was picked off by Riddell. Riddell just got a handball out into space, picked up by Jeffries. Jeffries went back, kick along the ground, inside 50, looking for Thompson, went to the hands of Trent. Trent was wrapped up by Thompson. And we'll have another ball up 40 metres now from the NT Thunder goal. Let's get some thoughts from Coach Kiwi. Uh, yeah, look, you know, I think NT are trying to really create something. I'm not sure if that was grubber was deliberate. It looked it, but perhaps you should have um, aimed to hit somebody, you know, to take the mark in there. But um... Riddell goes quickly to Whitford. Whitford now plays on. Gets to a teammate who kicks it along the ground in trend. Manages to team up though with Bateman. Bateman gives it off to Abitangelo who now goes long. Looking originally in the Gillespie Jones direction. Angelus went for it but she's fighting in with Hickey. Ball cry the crowd. The umpire says there was no prior opportunity. We'll call for a ball up. Some thoughts from Nicole Graves. Yeah, it's just starting to even up a little bit. Melbourne Uni were really, um, really strong in that first sort of five, ten minutes. And now uh, the Thunder just starting to get a little bit more of ascendancy. Um, and, yeah, you can just see some of the skill errors come into the into the Melbourne Uni side when they put that pressure on. But at the end of the day, Emma Carney's just starting to, you know, just starting to bring all of her team into the game. And that's what she's so good at and her leadership is. Ball comes to ground. Carney wants to have a crack at it through the legs there of Danielle Ponta. Then the pack quickly jumps on the ball and will call for a ball up. Twelve and a half minutes gone in the third term. Twelve point lead to Melbourne Uni. If the siren was to blow now and it'd be game over, Melbourne Uni going to the finals and the Hawks go out. That's the current situation. Ball hits the deck immediately, wanting to try and pop it out to Riddell. Couldn't quite get her hands on it. A little hand pass by Bush over the top. Quick kick away here by the Thunder. Trying to park herself underneath it there and jumping was Harder Looney. Got knocked away from her. Being caught with a Danny actually got a hand pass away. Going in there is, uh, is Streeter for a crack at the football. Harder Looney copped the whack as she tried to get a kick away. Stolen by Abitangelo. Goes in the Gillespie Jones direction. She's double team. Brought it to ground trying to find Alicia King. Going in there is Emma Carney. Immediately sat upon. Ball squeezed out. In comes Gillespie Jones to wrap it all up. You shall not pass. Ball hit the ground. Everyone wants a piece of the pill. And the umpire calls for the ball up with Sally Riley on the bottom of the pack near the half-forward flank for the Muggers. So Hart Alooney and Kim Ebb, I think, had a bit of a clash of heads. And Hart Alooney just coming off the ground now with the trainer. 
tap down went the way of Abitangelo. She was dispossessed. Carbone got a handball back and there was a clearing kick picked off by Jess Duffin. Jess Duffin played a little bit for the oh, 50 and it's been no. given. <laughs> oh. No, 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 no. The umpire not watching it from a distance saw it. He fell for the Academy Award. The arms were thrown out then. Bravo. That was an Emmy Award winning effort. But then Duffin, because she ran so fast in the 50, umpire said play on. Janet Baird was there, got the smother away and now Stevie Lee Thompson through the middle of the ground kicks the outer wing looking for Irvine. She's got more from Melbourne in pursuit. More Gets up with possession, but she's tackled immediately by Irvine and will have a ball up on the outer side. So it ended up working out well for it, the NT. It was probably a little <laughs> bit of karma, you know. It was well played by uh, by Jess Duffin to get the 50 in the first place. And, yeah, just rushed it right at that last minute. And young Janet Baird, who we talked about at the break, was, you know, was just fantastic there making sure she was on it. So from the ball up, went back to Carney. Got a short kick to trend at... Half back, Trend now going up the ground looking for Gillespie Jones. She was almost spoiled by her own teammate, Sard, dispossessed into the hands of Carbone. She got a handball away, but it only was as far as Bruton. Alice, she was dispossessed as well as now the Thunder wrapped up on the outer wing, so we'll have another ball up. Attacking side of the wing for Melbourne Uni, who lead the Thunder by 35 to 23. 15 minutes gone in this third term. Tap down one by Saad. Bridell was there. She got the ball to Bateman. Bateman threw her legs and now Hamble was looking for Duggan of the NT Thunder, but it went through her legs. Socket off the ground by Gillespie Jones. Clever into the chest, onto the chest of Angelus. Angelus now to the hot spot looking for Saxon Jones. She dropped the mark, got the crumbs, got a kick around the body. It was a very high up and under kick into the arms of Angelus. She was told to play on, kicked around her body and will be a behind. Be a handy point, Coach Kiwi. Yeah, yeah. She probably uh, should have taken her time and had a shot at goal. It was only about thirty out, so um, may, may have been able to make better use of it if she had uh, had a bit more composure rather than rush the ball in. Five six thirty six. The Muggers. The NT Thunder. Three five twenty three. The kicking back from play. Duffin had it, then dropped it while under pressure from from the player there in Jeffrey. Going in there is uh, Abitangelo. Tried to get a hurried hand pass out. Didn't succeed. County goes in. Gets immediately dumped. Courtesy of the tackle from behind by Alicia, by uh, Kylie Duggan, and will call for a ball up. Is the footy back to the umpire. 60 metres out from the Melbourne Uni goal, going to the northern end of the ground. They lead by 13 points. They currently sit in the final six. As 16 minutes are gone in the third term. Putting their head over the football. Stevie Lee Thompson are wrapped up. We'll call for a ball up. Some thoughts from Nicole Graves. Yeah, it's been interesting, hasn't it? Uh, you know, I really like the fact of, you know, Britt Gibson sort of, yeah, she's playing at the half back there, but running right through and her strength really shows, although her direct opponent has been Stevie Lee Thompson. So you give it 50-50 on, particularly this quarter, certainly not the rest of the game. And really like, you know, Jess Trend just setting up, um, uh, setting up that wall and, and she's had three or four sort of, um, rebound 50s, uh, into their, f- uh, forward 50, which has made it really dangerous, Melbourne Uni. Harley Looney kicked it to a dangerous spot 30 metres out from goal, came off hands. I think it's Welsh tries to get involved and the umpire says, we'll call for a ball up. Pardon me from a distance. Like I said, it's Grierson. Obviously, we're in the long sleeves. So the umpire will ask for the ball back and throw it up 40 metres out from the Muggers goal. Behind the air it goes. Brought down on that occasion by Saxon Jones doing the ruck work. Ball spilled out, though, for the Thunder. 
They'll try and run off the hutback unless Bruton has a say. Dispossessed the player. Immediately played on advantage. Went in the direction of Grierson. Ball's bouncing away from the earth. Saxon Jones is coming. They try to punch the ball forward. The Thunder and a very interesting effort to say the least with Deegan. Now kicks it up the line trying to find Bush to run onto it in the one-on-one. Having a little bit of jumper hold going on. Assad gets the hand pass now across to Bruton. Bruton trying to find... Emma Carney got away from her. Hand pass over the top by Carbone. Now the kick by the Thunder. In towards the centre of the ground. Lucille Walsh, 2 and one Got front posse. Kept it alive. Bush, though, intercepted the football. Gave it off to a teammate in Ponto. Got dispossessed of the ball. Bush now gave it away. Kick is smothered. Wanted to go in for a crack at it here is Cusack. Does well. Holds up the player. Coming in there is Janet Baird to try and rip the player off the football. In goes Bruton as well. His body's all over the shop. And the umpire blows the whistle eventually and calls for the ball. All up. It's been interesting, hasn't it? We talk about the two quarters. Uh, Melbourne Uni inside 50, 12 times to, to NT Thunder, four. But Melbourne Uni's been able to kick 3-2 to, uh, to the Thunder's one point. So McKaylee Roberts kicked it off the ground from the stoppage. Picking, picking it up was Abitangelo. She played on even though there was a hold on Holly Whitford. She went wide to Jess Duffin, who's on the edge of the square on the outer side. Still on the defensive side for the Muggers as she plays forward, looking for Carney over her head into the hands of Angelus. Angelus got the handball back to Carney. Carney, Carney to right half forward found Gillespie Jones. Gillespie Jones was dispossessed. Van Hagen got a handball away to Duggan. Duggan kicks it up the line. She's looking for Miskin Repair. Repair was uh, spoiled by Duffin. Duffin goes in for the tackle. It's all just bodies on the ball now. On the outer side, centre wing. Have another ball up out there. You can just see Brick Gibson just sort of sitting behind the footy there, making sure Stevie Lee goes in and then rolls back. But Brick Gibson, if it, a quick kick out, Brick Gibson would be there as a great defensive stop player. So neither Ruck got the tap down. The ball dribbled out to Thompson, who tried to get a kick off the ground. It didn't go very far. There was... A- Duggan in pursuit and Bush, they couldn't get possession. Stevie Lee went onto it. Saad got a handball out only as far as Bush. Miskin Repair got the kick away to the to the outer wing, but it was picked off by Duffin. The kick off the ground was smothered by Gibson and we got a free kick. Duffin was legged, the umpire said. There's only 20 seconds to go in this third term, with the Muggers leading by 13 points. Goes wide looking for Gibson at centre wing on the outer side and Gibson takes the mark. She might be beaten by the siren here, Britt Gibson, as she kicks it along up the line to half forward looking for Gillespie Jones. Gillespie Jones takes the mark and we have the siren for three-quarter time. So it's the Muggers leading 5-6-36, the NT Thunder 3-5-23. Thoughts from Lisa Kiwi-Roper and Nicole Graves. Yeah, so I think um, Gillespie Jones realised there was time running down as she was trying to get the ball moving forward, but perhaps um, they needed to get the message to Duffin to move it down earlier. Um, but, yeah, look, you know, we said at half-time that, um, you know, well, if we were coaching what we would suggest and, um, you know, getting around those key players and um, Duffin and Bruton and Gibson and um, Carney getting more involved and driving the team forward, and I think that's what they did, and you know got the got the rewards now with the scoreboard. But um, yeah, certainly the game's not over, and um, NT have still got plenty that they can um, bring back and um, stay in this in this game. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I said, it's just interesting to watch Melbourne Uni and the way that they set up their defence. So Melbourne Uni, their defence, they basically roll up as soon as it goes into the attacking 15. They roll up, which then drags the NT Thunder girls or the NT Thunder forwards up with them. So it stops that 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 quick kick or having them one out. So, and then, as I said, as it gets deeper, um, what is happening is, 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 as I said, Gibson is, is holding back into that big big hole and certainly a, a good unit to have back in there is, um, and Stevie Lee is obviously getting involved, trying to get her team moving forward. So that's sort of the, that one. Melbourne Uni really stepped up. I don't think uh, NT Thunder did anything too wrong or too much different than the last quarter, but Melbourne Uni, as, as discussed, Kiwi just started to to uh, step up and those those bigger names started to have more possession of the footy and they just set up better for that rebound out of the out of the 50 and, and such. It'd be interesting as the players start to get tired, the setups become a bit slower and people aren't, you know, the Thunder probably isn't getting behind the footy as much as they used to. They're sort of getting caught in front, whereas, uh, whereas the Muggers still have that nice little setup with um, with Carney and Bruton and even Brick Gibson behind the footy, and you're seeing them move that ball really laterally and really open up the game, which again is making the NT Thunder have to run a hell of a lot more. So, yeah. So listen, it's been a really you know again. You know, the scoreboard that was really effective for Melbourne Uni with a 3-2 to the one point. That's really the difference, obviously, that we're seeing on the scoreboard. But again, it was just using the ball when they got it inside 50 more effectively than the Thunder had probably in that previous quarter. Lucy, goal kickers at three-quarter time. Sophie Abitangelo with two on the board. Courtney Danik, uh, Katie Angelus and Emma Carney on the board for the Muggers while it's Michelle Ellis and Danielle Ponta on the board, and I don't have their third goal kicker. Uh, Letitia Jeffrey. Letitia Jeffrey on the board as well for the NT Thunder, and the score 5 6 36. Uh, Muggers leading NT Thunder 3 5 23. Footy's greats and sometimes not so greats tell us about the very first time they walked onto a footy field to play their first ever AFL VFL game. When Tim and Kalkinia played that game again that moment, nothing but joy. Now that's our ripping new podcast. You can always tell them you played one game. I rang Dad and said, listen, I've got my first three to game, but I don't know what to do because they've got me picked in a back pocket. This is Kevin Hillier, Paul Daffy and I releasing a new episode every Tuesday. Everyone came down from Venio to watch me play. David Parker rang me and said, we've decided to leave you out because you're just too skinny and too thin and, and you're going to get battered around. You can always tell them you play one game. Check the podcast page at rsn.net.au as well as iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast and wherever good podcasts are found. 69. The number of cancer-causing chemicals in tobacco smoke. 16. The number of places in your body that smoking causes cancer, including the bladder, bowel, liver and pancreas. One in five. The number of all cancers caused by smoking. 1. The number of clear ways you have to reduce your risk if you're a smoker. Call Quitline 137848 or go to quit.org.au. In the run to the finals, by the numbers is exclusive footy insight. Join AFLW Coach of the Year, Daniel Harford. No politics, no agendas, just footy by the numbers. Diving right into the stats and trends, giving you the best footy analysis ever. 300 plus gamer, Brendan Goddard. Their weaknesses, the way they lose is kind of the same way every time. And champion data's Daniel Hoy. There really isn't a weakness at the moment with Brendan if this trend continues. We're putting out a new by the numbers every Thursday on the podcast page at the website rsn.net.au. As well as iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and all of your regular podcast places. 
your club. Craigie Burn Sporting Club. The Sporty is now your prime function venue. The breathtaking new function room is now open. Already it's hosted wedding receptions, engagement parties, christenings, birthdays and seminars. Up to 300 guests. And the reviews have been awesome. Why not make an appointment with the Sporty Function team to plan your special occasion? Craigie Burn's best functions are now happening at the Sporty. Craigie Burn Sporting Club. Find out more at craigieburnsc.com.au. RSN Carnival 2 is the VFL Women's Match of the Day. There is one quarter remaining in the home and away season. Two sides fate hang by a thread. Melbourne Uni 5636 lead the NT Thunder 3523. If the Melbourne Uni muggers hold on, they will play Geelong next week in a fifth versus sixth elimination final. If the Thunder can come from behind and win, remember they did lead by a point at half time, then Hawthorne will survive and keep their spot in the final six and the Muggers will miss out and it'll be a Hawks-Geelong preliminary final. But at the moment, the Hawks are out and the Muggers are in. As the crowd comes off the ground, an excellent crowd here at Arden Street Oval to see the end of the home and away season. To get us going, here is Lucy Watkin. So Melbourne Uni, a lead of 13 points in the final quarter. Will it be enough? NT Thunder kicking to the left of your radio dial. And that's been the scoring end so far this game. So can they get a few back on the Muggers or can the Muggers hold on as Kuzak gets the handball down? Riley was dispossessed but going into the hands of Armitage. Armitage got it to Duggan who got a handball inboard to Riley. Riley went back to um, Van Hagen who Van Hagen went wide looking for Roberts. Roberts is there with Trend. Roberts has pushed Trend off the ball as Duggan gets the uh, tackle on. Duggan at forward 50, dispossessed by Riddell. Handball back to Bush, who goes inside 50 for the NT Thunder. Overrun it was Stevie Lee Thompson into the hand of Jeffries. Jeffries dropped the ball. Thompson's there. Pont is hovering over the football. Inside 50 for NT. And the umpire will come in and we'll have a ball up 40 metres from the NT Thunder goal. Positive signs for Thunder with that first movement forward. 45 seconds gone in the final term. 13-point lead to the Muggers, but it's Bruton that gets the kick out of defence. Coming out of nowhere, Apatangelo runs down Riley, and the umpire blows the whistle and calls for a ball up. Some early impressions from Coach Kiwi. Yeah, look, it's, um, it's exciting. The ball's going forward. Um, you know, I, I like a fairy tale finish, so um, sorry, Luce. Uzak <laughs> goes for a long Thunder's kick. A long Was to trying to find the play on Letitia Jeffrey outmarked by Jess Duffin. If you're anti-Thunder going forward, you want to kick it anywhere except in the general vicinity of Jess Duffin. Mm. Yeah, that would be my theory. Uh, because she is going to take the marks and clean up. She goes to Lucille Walsh at the halfback flank on the far side of our broadcast position. Lucille Walsh now gets on the right, staying very wide with a kick out of bounds, in fact. Even if it wasn't on the full, it's his last disposal. And having to get the football is Rachel Killian. Waterboy jumps over the fence to give her back the footy. Rachel Killian, forward of centre wing. Originally went, then aborted her run. Now goes the pass to Stevie Lee Thompson. 
It's one of the players that's really got a light up in this final quarter affair to win. Stevie Lee Thompson, 75 metres out from home. Goes long in towards the forward line. Came off hand. Bush got some space near the pocket. Oh, had for the football. Lost it. Tried to slap it back in, but it went out. Jess Trend also seeing it over. Get some thoughts from the Colgraves. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We talk about that end. It's certainly, uh, and the Thunder have obviously had most of the footy so far. So there's something going on with the magnets at those ends of the goals. And um, we're getting into dangerous spot. That's what NT Thunder have to do. They have to get it inside that 20 where those where those really silky skills of Ponter and such can, uh, can sneak those goals around. Into the hands of Stevie Lee Thompson. She got it into the goal square. Off the oh. ground by Bush. Oh, it was dived on by the Melbourne Uni defenders. Grierson was there. Oh. I know. I think I nearly should have been a coach then, the way that we just about called that. They got it into that into that deep square. And as I said, really dangerous for those, those girls that have got those really silky inside-out skills. So ball up directly in front of the goal. Ends up into the hands of Ponta. Ponta, she thought she was taken high. But the umpire says it'll be a throw-in in the left forward pocket for the NT Thunder. Well, the type of skill that they've got, they're only two goals down, really. You know. Yeah, it doesn't take much if they can if they can keep the ball in that inside fifty. Throw-in went way over the rucks' heads. Bounces into the hands of Abitangelo. Her handball only into the hands of Bush. She was looking for Kuzak. Kuzak dropped the ball. It hits the deck about 55 metres from the NT Thunder goal. They've done well to keep it inside 50. The NT Thunder will have another ball up. Can I add to the list of rules that I hate? The one where you throw the ball in with the nominated rucks, and if both rucks miss it, the ball has to hit the ground first yeah. before anyone else yeah. can touch it. Because therefore you're penalising players for picking up the ball early from a bad boundary throw-in. Is coming through oh. there and spinning around. Oh. There it goes. And there it goes. And all of a sudden, hello, game alive again for the Thunder. Seven points the difference. Melbourne Uni five six thirty six. NT Thunder four five twenty nine. We do remind you, however, a draw is a good result for Melbourne Uni. Mm. Hawthorne must have the NT Thunder win the Colgraves. Yeah, it's interesting. We were just talking about that. And that's how dangerous this team is um, when you're getting it really deep. You know, Melbourne Uni are, are much better probably they, those beautiful goals from sort of 30 out. But uh, the NT Thunder and, and those girls that with a Crows experience certainly uh, gets inside that, you know, in that sort of little 15-metre arc there. And certainly the likes of Danielle Ponta, she isn't going to miss those little sneaky ones. So only seven points the difference now. Saad in the ruck. Double hand tap down to Riddell. Riddell went out to King who was running by on the outer wing. King was held up so he went back to Riddell who puts it on her boot towards half forward. Walsh from Melbourne Uni was in pursuit and she just takes it over the boundary line. So because of last touch out of bounds it'll go back to the NT Thunder. On their half back. They'll kick it in. Goes into the hands of Thompson sorry Duggan Duggan, she goes up the line finds Streeter, Streeter gets a handball off to Bard, Bard, she was run down on the outer wing, holding the ball so Brutton will get it back for Melbourne Uni, she plays on quickly goes in boards to Runnels but the umpire says bring it back Probably a little bit handy there for the Thunder. Melbourne Uni were nearly off then but Mm. uh, the umpires brought the ball back, giving time for everyone to set up so Brutton goes short to Riddell, ends up taking the mark, goes on, plays on, looking for Gillespie-Jones, and she is outmarked by Denny Van Hagen at right half back. 
for the NT Thunder. Van Hagen with the footy. Oh, coming in board. Intercepted by Jenna Broughton. Jenna Broughton from 55 metres out, heading in the Cox direction. Front posse here, brought down by Saxon Jones. One step, kicked around the corner. Did it bounce through? No, it bounced back. It bounced back on the line. Cox comes through and she hits the post. Cue the Betty Hill music. I was just about to say that, Pete. You can tell we're from the same era. There's a, um, there was a moments of ups and downs there. A, a really, yeah, fantastic. Ever I thought uh, Melbourne Uni were going to do the same as NT Thunder had done the other end there, but uh, not quite the polish. Five seven thirty seven Melbourne Uni NT Thunder four five twenty nine long out of defence. Good mark taken out there, and Van Hagen takes it. Guess going quickly off the half back flank out of side of the ground comes in board looking for uh, the player in Carbone. Got it to a teammate who got immediately wrapped up and the umpire says there is no prior opportunity. We're going to call for a ball up. We're between centre and centre half forward here for Melbourne University. They currently lead by eight points and at the moment the Hawks are out of the finals if this keeps up. Quick tackle laid on Riddell by Riley and rule reset play once again. Isn't it interesting we talk about those inside 50s and how important they are? And the Thunder have gone in seven times to that was actually Melbourne Uni's first inside 50 for the quarter. So, and one goal obviously for their seven entries, the Thunder, and one point for their one entry. So Bard got a kick away, but only ended up in the hands of Runnels of Melbourne Uni. Runnels' kick was smothered by Riley. Riley gets a hand to Steve Lee Thompson, who was taken very high by Nadia Moore. She let Nadia Moore know about it on the way up as well, Steve Lee Thompson. She's still on the defensive side of the centre square. She goes long, looking for Ponta. Got through her hand. She got the handball from her teammate in Bush. Ponta's kick inside 50 was smothered by Gibson. Duffin got a handball to Trend. Trend thought she was taken high as well at left half forward, but the umpire says no. I will ball that up. So now we're in the danger zone for NT Thunder. They're just outside 50. Kuzak and Saad. Saad got the tap down to Brutton. Somehow ended up in the hands of uh, Jeffries. Into the hands of Van Hagen, who's running inside 50. She kicks it from 50 towards goal and end up in the hands of Jasmine Grierson of the Melbourne Uni. There's your insurance policy. Jazz Grierson on the last line going for Gillespie Jones. Now, if she didn't touch before it went out, she didn't. That means it will be a last disposal free kick. Van Hagen plays on quickly, gets away from Gillespie Jones. 45 metres out from against the boundary line. Duffins there at the last line of the fence. Gutsy grab. Yeah, fantastic, Jess Duffin. And really just, you know, no doubt, and just the safest hands in the game she has. Going back with the flight there, Duffin gets a kick to Riddell. Riddell goes short again to Gillespie Jones, who doesn't make any mistake this time. She's got Nadia Moore running out the outside wing. King short. She goes long looking for Saad over her head and strong mark taken there by Janet Bard of the NT Thunder. Just on outer wing, she goes inside 50, big pack forms. Riddell's there to pick up the crumbs. You've got a handball to Brutton. Brutton goes back again to Duffin. Duffin goes up looking for Kate Gillespie-Jones who marks in the exact same spot at the left half back for Melbourne Uni. She goes up the line looking for Angelus. Angelus takes the mark on her chest almost unopposed. She's just on the defensive side of, of the outer wing. Her kick was not great but Streeter dropped the mark. Saad got a handball back to Whitford. She got a handball to Riddell. Riddell's forced to go back wide to 
Gillespie Jones. Gillespie Jones tackled by Hickey. She shrugs that tackle. She goes towards the 50 arc over the head of Cox. Slapped away by Carbone into the hands of Walsh. Walsh puts it into space. It's a foot race now for Melbourne Uni. It's bouncing towards goal. Cleo Saxon Jones is there for Melbourne Uni. She gets the pick up and onto her boot and it's a goal for Melbourne Uni. She almost messed it up a little bit there with the pick up but it's gone through for a goal. 6-7-43 to NT Sunder. 4, 5, 29. You'd think it's a bit beyond reach now for the NT Thunder, Nicole. Yeah, listen, um, yeah, as I said, they're pretty polished, the, the muggers, as they have been for many years. And, and um, you know, that just shows it wasn't a foot race between, uh, Melbourne, uh, between Melbourne Uni and NT Thunder there. It was actually a foot race between three Melbourne Uni girls. So who was going to take the glory? And, and, yeah, really well done there. Got it over the top. And really quick ball movement, um, which has been, you know, sort of lacking in that first couple of minutes. And uh, a really good finish. I think she was trying to pick it up and it yeah. might have actually... Just falling on her foot, but we'll take them any way they come, these goals. And ball up in the middle of the ground. One out here by Deegan, who tries to knock it forward. Taken away by Saad, who went with a hand pass back, was to try and release Trent. Trent gave off the don't argue, then got it to Bruton. Bruton now going in the Gillespie-Jones direction. Oh, they're starting to go up a notch here, Melbourne Uni. Gillespie-Jones marked it in front of Van Hagen. 65 metres out from goal. Goes with a long bomb. Got out the back door. Cleo Saxon-Jones again. She can't quite get there in time. Beaten to it by Morgan Johnson, who will go through for a minus. Score six eight forty four. The Muggers NT Thunder four five twenty nine. Coach Kiwi. Um, yeah, look, I think Gillespie Jones is really coming into the game too much um, for Thunder. You know, they're just giving her that space, and she's had a lot of uncontested Ooh. marks. Which um, with someone that height, you don't want to. Whitford picked off the clearing kick by Streeter and got a pinpoint pass into the path of Katie Angelus. She took it on her chest, and now she's going to go for goal really shows the influence of those tall players you know this both sides both of these sides out there today uh, are pretty average size you probably got rid at one end and, and um, Gillespie Jones but apart from that yeah so that tall players can have such influence so Katie Angelus her shot went from about 35 meters out it pushed wide to the left and it's just a behind so the mug is 6 9 45 now lead NT Thunder 4 5 29 12 minutes gone in this fourth quarter and then and then the short players like Duffin who plays tall yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I mean, that, that becomes in how skillful they are and the way that they read the play. But as I said, Gillespie Jones, just that height, she's just towering over her opposition and really positioning herself well. As the kick is long out of defence, stuff and try to cut it off there at the now half-forward flank. Ball hit the ground, trying to put her head over the balls. Letitia Jeffrey got it across to Duggan. Duggan now gave it across to Baird. Baird went for a run, put it on the right boot, went long up the line over the head of Michaelia Roberts. Ball got out the back door, doing the shepherding work there. Was Trent allowed to get to Grierson? Grierson draw the play to Water, went with a hand pass to Whitford. Whitford, one-step kick, is going to be intercepted. Oop, juggling it around there, Duggan got it to Riley. Riley spun around in a circle, gave it to Armistead. Armistead goes long towards the half-forward flank position. Jumping forward was Hart Alooney. Knocked out of her hands. Grierson now goes the hand pass to Whitford. Whitford with another possession. On the right going in the Gillespie Jones direction. Came hard at the pack but couldn't quite bring it in. Baird gave up the hand pass to Armistead. It was caught by Duffin. Got her hand pass away over the boundary line. Now that will be a last disposal and it will be a free kick to Emma Carney. The umpire is going to signal for throw in. It can't be. If the handball goes over the boundary line, that is last disposal. And, yes, now he's finally figured it out. Ding! The light went on. Just a little bit of a consultation with the boundary umpire. And we got a free kick from Emma Carney, who goes back to Jazzy Grierson. Grierson now comes inboard to Whitford. Whitford just on centre wing on the broadcast side of the ground in front of the interchange benches. 
She goes short again to Abitangelo. She was spoiled by Van Hagen. Baird and Riley were there. Riley got a handball to Thompson over her head. She didn't elect to go for the possession. Brutton ends up with the ball, slaps away a tackle, and got a defensive handball to Grierson at half-back. Grierson went for a short kick to Trend, and Trend's going to go up the broadcast wing towards Gillespie Jones. Muscles out Jordan Hickey and takes the mark. Goes back. Plenty of muggers calling for it. She goes long to Caitlin Cox over her head. She just went for the ball, kept it in front of her towards the boundary line, just inside 50 for the muggers. Just dispossessed Denny Van Hagen into the hands of Duggan, and Duggan goes long up the line. It's cut off by Jenna Bruton. Bruton with the footy, half forward flank. About 70 metres out from home. 14 and a half minutes gone in the final quarter. Goes short to Carney. The crucial stage for the NT Thunder was when there's about four and a half minutes to go because you've got to allow realistically about 90 seconds each goal, and that's if you're moving it cleanly and with the ball to be taken back from the umpire. As she goes up the line, Lucille Walsh tries to go for the footy. It's held up. We'll call for a ball up. Let's go to Nicole Graves. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and ultimately, you know, what's really holding this game for, uh, for the Melbourne Uni Women's Footy Club is, is their half-back line. They've really, you know, their defensive line, but particularly the half-back line. We're still talking NT Thunder inside 52. 12 times to Melbourne Uni's six. So you can see how important that defensive line's been to the scoreboard for Melbourne Uni. Here's the kick out from deep in defence. Jeffrey put her hands up. That's stolen away by Duffin, who put on the right boot. Nearly brought down rain with this kick. Saxon Jones did a bit of body work, and it fell to the agency of Sophie Apatangelo. Apatangelo now goes on the right boot. Squares it up nicely to Brittany Gibson, who was told by Scott Gowans before the game that... uh, She's always wanted to play on Arden Street Oval, was meant to be an emergency, and it was meant to be the three times they play here at Arden Street, she was going to be rotated out and never fulfil her dream of playing at Arden Street. Now, she finally gets to do it. And I reckon they're pretty pleased the way that she's played, that they actually made that decision. And, and great for Britt, as I said, she was a revelation in the AFLW last season and uh, just swung that one away to the left-hand side for a point. 6-10-46, the Muggers, NT Thunder, 4-5-29. Four minutes remaining in the game for not only the Thunder season, but by the looks of it, Hawthorne season as well. So Melbourne Uni obviously winning this one. They're into the top six and into the finals. There's only four minutes to go as Streeter plays on from defensive 50 for the NT. She goes out 50 and a very strong mark taken there by Vivian Saad of Melbourne Uni. She's 60 metres from goal. Looking to go inside 50. Gillespie Jones is calling for it. Saxon Jones, Abitangelo, big pack forms. Ball is just on the ground now. Players all over it. Hickey's there. Bush is there. Abitangelo, but the umpire will come in and say, let's ball it up. So just slow to get up there is Morgan Johnston. Daisy Bateman is signalling for the trainer for her. Yeah, she looks like she's done something to her ankle. So there's only three minutes now to go in this third quarter, and obviously we don't have time on. He's under player, so almost rushing her off the ground. <laughs> Just I thought there was going to be on, five, less, go. uh, yeah. Yeah, five less thunder players there as five of them actually were starting to carry her off the ground, but set up there for a stoppage deep inside uh, Melbourne Uni's attacking 50. So time's ticking down as they take Morgan Johnston off the ground. They're holding up her right leg, and the umpire balls it up. Gillespie Jones takes it out of the ruck, gets into the hands of Carney. Carney goes for a run towards goal and a diving mark taken by Sophie 
Abitangelo. She pops it and around the corner and marked on the last line of the fence by Jordan Hickey. Almost another goal there by Melbourne Uni, but the chance goes begging. Hickey, like he's taking a kick in, runs out of the square, goes long, looking for Bard, but into the hands of Runnels. She's told to play on because it was touched, and she just kicks it inside 50 into the corridor, cut off by Northern Territory. Angelus gets a bit of body work on as the defensive kick comes away by Killian. Backing back into the flight was Jess Trenmark wasn't paid as it was touched, and she was wrapped up by Letitia Jeffrey. Two minutes to go in the final term. Thoughts from Coach Kiwi? Um, yeah, sorry, I was just admiring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's into the admiring of the players. Admiring there. my good looks, thank you very much. I uh, can tell you there, yeah, like certainly. Emma yeah. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Tangelo obviously taking some fantastic marks up forward, making it really hard. Jenna uh, Bruton just had uh, just a couple of minutes of a purple patch there and, and just really as a small, working hard around those things. And, I, you know, for NT Thunder, Jordy Hickey has obviously been working hard in defence but against much taller opponents. And just quietly, if someone abide my good looks, then drug and alcohol testing is a must. As the umpire <laughs> blows the whistle and says, let's reset play again after being on the bond of pack, Michalia Roberts gives the ball back to the umpire. Vivian Saad again to do the ruck work up against Deegan. Charlie Deegan brought it down. Saar trying to get a hand pass out after stealing it from her. Deegan again goes for another crack at it, trying to get through is Emma Carney. Can't do so. Michalia Roberts trying to put in a big tackle. Ball squeezed out. Now the hurry kick by Jordan Hickey. Goes out towards the wing position, chasing after it is Stevie Lee Thompson. The ball just spun away from her. Got unlucky. Whitford did well. Got it backwards. Jonah Hampel was using Daniak on that occasion. Rejected there. Good little piece of play by Irvine. Now got out to Stevie Lee Thompson. Got over the top, managing to find Danielle Ponta, who got pulled down. Her kick going out towards the pocket. Awkward bounce there for Bush. To try and come back at it. Daniak now getting it is Gibson who got the kick away. Got pulled down. She got her kick away. Only got as far as Stevie Lee. Stevie Lee Thompson on the right boot. Her short kick. Did it go 15? It did according to the umpire. It was cut off either way. And taking it in defence there is Nicole Julian who works wide towards the scoreboard side of the ground. The mark is taken out there. And bringing it back there, Kim Ebb goes for the short pass. As the siren will sound... The reigning premiers cannot go back-to-back. Hawthorne have been knocked out of the top six. Melbourne Uni goes seventh to six. The Muggers will play finals football. Melbourne Uni, 6-10-46. The NT Thunder, 4-5-29. Take a breath. Have some thoughts. Nicole Graves. Oh, yeah, you're going to throw to me. Yeah, it's kind of the story of the game, isn't it, really? The amount of um, inside 50s uh, for the Thunder be disappointing in terms of their return for that. So they worked really hard. And I guess for two teams that are at probably opposite ends of the ladder, um, you know, it's just a ripping game. And it just shows that the Thunder aren't too far off, uh, you know, those top sides. And when they play really good footy, and they, as I said, those young players that we talked about during the game and certainly before getting a massive amount of exposure um, to this level of the footy and, and certainly the AFLW players that they may be playing in the future. So that was, you know, so that's probably, you know, one of the, the talking points is uh, even in that quarter, it was 13 inside uh, 50s to 8, Northern uh, the Thunder's way for one goal and Melbourne Uni, they were probably uh, unlucky and they had eight times in for one goal four. So you had that sort of five scoring shots to one and that's really been the NT Thunder's sort of... I guess, unfortunately, their trademark for the day is plenty, plenty inside 50, just not being able to, um, to finish off. But 
ultimately that becomes down to the to the defence of Melbourne Uni and, and as I said uh, just earlier Melbourne Uni's defence has been elite yes Jess Doven um, falling in behind and in behind play and just taking sweeping and just reading the play but the others you know um, Jess Trend and, the, and such were just those rebounds and keeping the ball in and as I said pushing that defensive line up when NT went inside 50 Melbourne Uni uh, sorry when Melbourne Uni went inside 50 their defence pushing all the way up just dragged those forwards out of place for Melbourne uh, for NT Thunder and therefore not big fans of being uh, too far from their goals so yeah so really smart coaching and um, and as I said probably in, you know in terms of where they're at and all the rest of it um, well deserved for, for Melbourne Uni to, to make the finals. Your take on the game coach Kiwi. Um, yeah I think it came down to yeah probably that that experience and a little bit of composure I think um, Melbourne Uni's ball use just seemed to be you know that that little bit um, better under pressure in the last quarter and they made better use of it as they moved around the field. Um, NT certainly, you know, as, as Nick's stats sort of show, they they got the ball forward enough times they probably just um, didn't use it as well and they just gave up some really easy possessions at key moments and even coming out of their back line they'd win it down in their um, defensive 50 but moving it out they just couldn't clear it past some of those clean hands that the muggers have got when they set up around um, what we call the heartbreak line, really, the outside the 50. But, um, you know, definitely the Muggers' defence. And when you have someone like Brick Gibson who defends down one end of the field and then, you know, pushes up and um, ends up having a shot when she, um, you know, led into the 50 as they switched the ball across, um, you know, players like that are really hard to um, defend on because, you, you know, you're not really expecting a half-back to come up and lead... Um, inside the 50 to, to have a shot on goal. So, um, you know, that's just a little bit of experience and I think that's what the NT players will be able to take away from it is, is playing against opponents like that and playing in this kind of competition where you get that week in, week out is definitely going to contribute to their development a lot faster. Um, but I think, you know, players like Janet Beard and um, Michaela Roberts, just exciting players to see and the flair that they play with you know it's just that indigenous style of games is so much more interesting and you see them try and start little movements and little things you know trying to bend the ball around opponents with the outside of the boot and things like that which you know probably you you don't really teach actually to be honest it's um you know unless you've got a spare five minutes with some players but you know for them that's what they grow up with and um you know, that becomes second nature to their style of play rather than just a straight drop punt. And um, I just love seeing those kind of players in, our, in, our, in the game. And um, you know, definitely, hopefully, they'll get on some lists and we'll see them in the AFW because, you know, I think they can um, certainly hold their own at that level as well. Lucy Watkin, I'll get you to go through the goal kickers and some thoughts from you as well on the game. Yeah, so the Abitangelo with two goals for Melbourne Uni, Emmy Carney with one, Cleo Saxon-Jones with one, Courtney Daniak and Katie Angelis also with one, and for the NT Thunder, Danielle Pointer with two, and Letitia Jeffries and Michelle Ellis with one goal each. Melbourne Uni winners 6-10-46 to the NT Thunder, 4-5-29. And as it stands, the top six has now been determined... Collingwood, Southern Saints, Western Bulldogs, 
Richmond, Geelong Cats and Melbourne Uni will all play off in the finals starting next week, Pete. Absolutely. And um, how it breaks down at the moment with the structure again, it's a very different uh, final six system to what we're used to, particularly the old AFL final six, which used to be first versus second, then third versus sixth, and fourth versus fifth, and it'd be highest place winners and how that ranks with the semifinals. The VFL have done it where it's first versus second, third versus fourth, fifth versus sixth. Winner of one, winner of three v four plays the winner of one v two in a major semi final, and uh, the loser of one v two plays the winner of five v six in a minor semi final. Then of course we've got a preliminary and a grand final. That's how that all works out. Uh, they're finally updated. Melbourne Uni have finished fifth because of the better percentage over Geelong. So Collingwood and the Southern Saints. This is an absolute lock. Collingwood Southern Saints play at Victoria Park. Whether it's Saturday or Sunday, and what time that is, questions to be asked. All we know is we're just pleading to the league. Please don't put two games on at the same time. Allow us to recover all three if you can, if you spread out the times. But they will play time to be determined. Um, hearing what Anthony Stangitz mentioned on the uh, VFL video stream, which I watched back the replay of, they did mention that the elimination finals will be at Adcon Stadium, otherwise known as Northport Oval in Port Melbourne. It is date and time to be confirmed, but it is the Bulldogs versus Richmond. And... Melbourne University versus Geelong. Now, what would be interesting is both Footscray, uh, Geelong and Richmond um, um, VFL men's are all in the finals. Um, so it's a case of uh, is Footscray, Weemstown and that VFL men's playing at Witten Oval or at Northport? If they do, then there's the pro- probability that the Richmond Footscray Pardon me, Richmond Bulldogs game will line up with that, so supporters get to see both. Same that Geelong is qualified for the finals in the VFL men's. It looks like they're going to finish higher than Port Melbourne, but knowing how the old VFL works, it, it, usually Port Melbourne get a home final regardless. Um, so there could be a possibility of, say, Geelong-Port Melbourne, so that means that would link up with the Geelong-Muggers game. So that's all unofficial uh, for the elimination finals, but there would be a high probability those teams would be paired up. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting uh, where, I guess, that game, the Melbourne Uni-Geelong game may be too, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Because if Geelong, for example, they decided to give a home final down in Geelong, which has happened before in the VFL, they had a Friday night game, that would then beg the question, would they move the elimination final away and take it down to Geelong to, obviously, even though Muggers finished highest, to get as much supporters to one yeah. game as possible. I'd be thinking Muggers might be uh, might have something to say to that, going down to play Geelong uh, in Geelong when they finished above the ladder, but as I said, yeah, sometimes it, it's uh, ground availability and all sorts of things coming into finals time. And indeed. And, of course, the wild card in there was Richmond finishing top of the VFL men's. We were thinking even though the Bulldogs finished on top, they could easily play it at Punt Road if Richmond men's are playing at Punt Road. Going, well, that's the perfect venue to hold it. So that's all still be determined later tonight and on Monday, so keep an eye on the VFL website for that. But I'll just say these interesting things. Saints-Collingwood met once, and that was in the opening game of the season, in which the Saints beat the Pies comfortably. And after that, the Pies went on an 11-game winning streak. Um, and now they've got me on board. Yeah, well, exactly, Coach Kiwi. Yeah. And uh, finishing minor premiers did not help them uh, last year, Coach Kiwi, as oh, I might to mention. Just, just twist I'll, uh, I'll talk about the elephant now in the room. they've got me on time. <laughs> <laughs> we, we mentioned that Richmond and the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs won in a thriller over Richmond uh, when they first played in the middle of the year. And then a couple of weeks ago, the Bulldogs smashed Richmond by about six goals without Katie Brennan. I think Monique Conti was missing, but I'm told that Monique Conti might not be playing finals due to basketball commitments. <laughs> So uh, so keep your ear to the ground on that one. At Geelong and Melbourne Uni, Melbourne Uni 
Even though a sixth, uh, uh, sorry, a fifth, they have the wood over Geelong, uh, beating them comfortably on two occasions, both home and away. Yeah, I think the major effect on all the, on this final series will be who's available and who's going to be playing in the finals because these teams look very different when they've got their, I guess, their best 18 on field or, you know, their starting 18 is, is what we maybe expect when we're looking down their team sheets. A lot of AFLW players back into the sides and that's what you want to see. You want to see, particularly in finals footy, you know, the development and the putting um, time into to younger players and such is, is probably done now and it's finals footy and let's face it, when you make finals you want to win them. No use uh, just participating in finals. So yeah, so these guys want to put their best foot forward and get you know get the superstars on and that also makes us want to go and watch the game too when we go and watch some of these superstars we're watching in summer now playing winter. So they, all these teams can be completely different um, you know, from one week to the other. And so, yeah, come finals, I'd love to be seeing, you know, the best players out there that are available uh, and fit and healthy out there playing in the finals. It's really exciting. You know, these six teams have probably, you know, had the most consistent form over the year, over the season. And certainly, yeah, I'm really excited about this final system. There's going to be some absolute ripper players playing out there. So really good for the competition and really good for women's footy. Time to wrap things up here on RSN Carnival 2, WARFradio.com and the VFL app. Nicole Grace, once again, thank you very much for your work and we look forward to your company throughout the final series before you head up to Coolangatta Tweed on the Gold Coast. Back to the warmth. <laughs> I've got a, a short trip to um, Juddy and Epps' wedding in October in Perth, so just shout out to those two and then, yeah, and then up to uh, sunny Queensland. Uh, as always, Lisa Kiwi Roper, thank you very much for your company. We look forward to whatever games you can make during the finals because you've got a bit of commitments going on with Collingwood. Yeah, hopefully um, we will stay in longer this year than last year, um, definitely due to my influence. Sorry, Kevin. Oh, that <laughs> no, no, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, I'm, um, I'm actually counting down the days to the season's over and I go back to a warmer climate a few days in um, Sydney and then we're off to Hawaii for a couple of weeks Ooh. and then back to Sydney for um, some old birthday or something or other. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to some sunshine. Uh, Hawaii? <laughs> Don't you know down. the USAFL Nationals are on in Florida? You could have gone yeah. to Florida. Just not, not enough sunshine over that side. <laughs> Let's get them in Hawaii, the, the Pete. They've got a few teams there yeah, now. Yeah. We'll definitely be flying over. The Hawaii Eagles are mm-hmm. now there. Yeah. So that's one thing to consider. Lucy Watkin, thank you very much for your effort as always. And we look forward to your company throughout the VFLW final series. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the finals. Great final series last year. Sure, it'll be a great one again. I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for your company. We look forward to joining you throughout the finals. We'll be bringing you two of the three finals from our commentary team perspective. We'll be taking the GoFooty.live feed for the Melbourne Uni versus Geelong game. So therefore, if the league schedules everything correctly, we should have three games of finals football to bring you next week right here on RSN Carnival 2, WAFradio.com and the VFL app. Don't forget our midweek show on RSN Carnival 1, Wednesday 6pm. Do join us then. Until then, it has been Melbourne Uni defeating the NT Thunder here at Arden Street Oval. The Muggers make the finals. The reigning premiers, the Hawthorne Hawks, are done and dusted. The VFL Women's Match of the Day is a volunteer production by Women's Australian Rules Football Radio for RSN 927's digital channel Carnival 2. Daniel Hufford leads the Breakfast Club. Monday mornings, Rodney E joins the Breakfast Club reviewing all the weekend's footy. Rodney E, he's the Monday analyst, back this Monday morning from 7 to 8 on RSN 927's Breakfast Club.